This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's four minutes past four. It's Friday. Oh, that spike is good this morning. Corbyn snubs the Queen to go on holiday. Sticking his tongue out, the teenager accused of killing that PC. Savile and Charles's close friendship with the sex abuse bishop. Sick of being treated like the Queen, says Helen Mirren. Shut up, for goodness sake. Dressed for a heist in Lycra, the £4,000 bicycle thieves in Cambridge. Do you know 11,000 bikes have gone missing in Cambridge in five years? Those students, thieving bunch, aren't they? Plastic bag basket case... Uh, the England rugby ace, Jonathan Joseph, cheats on his childhood sweetheart with Casey Batchelor night before we lost at the rugby. And is Russell's brand over? Of course it is. It was over ages ago. The milk tray man could be back as a woman. And um, uh, an Aussie band, the Aussie band Five Seconds of Summer, have very kindly offered to write for Niall Horan's solo album. Please don't bother. Please, it's not going to make any difference. It'll be in Poundland by Christmas, I should imagine. And the sexy men of Essex are back, except Arge, who still looks like the beached whale. But apparently Lydia Dim is looking forward to getting pregnant and having loads and loads of children. That's the desperate attempt that she's going to now to try and keep anybody, you know, interested in this boring old baggage, like them all. But I did buy yesterday. I did buy yesterday. I thought I'd go and treat myself after we had such a brilliant programme. And uh, and we got that amazing amount of money for afternoon tea. It was really super, really, really super. And uh, it was it was just, you know, we were all riding on a bit of a crest of a wave yesterday and I thought it was fantastic and I thought you all did very well. So thank you very much indeed for your very kind generosity. And I shall pass it on to other programmes who are, who are more deserving than I am as well. And so uh, on the programme this morning, we'll go through the papers. Oh, we've got some stories. And uh, luckily I got quoted by the Mail Online because I turn on the telly yesterday. I, I get back and uh, I didn't have any interviews to do yesterday. I had to go, as you know, the blood test. Just realised my little plaster's fallen off. And so I did that, get the results back next week. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. I'm sure it'll be uh, fine. <laughs> He says, hopefully, as most people over the 50s are now worrying about getting dementia. I don't think I'm worried about getting it. It's trying to halt it completely, I think, would be the big problem for me. I think as long as you talk for a living, I think you're OK. I think as long as you talk for a living, I think you should be OK with it. Although I, I wouldn't guarantee, because I can't remember things half the time. I can't remember phone calls I've had now. I mean, I mean it's only it's sort of mild, I think, but uh, it's the kind of thing you worry about. Anyway, so I get home and... Um, I did the blood test and I went for some breakfast, so I tweeted a picture of my breakfast, thinking, and I always have that breakfast, not always, but when I have that breakfast, I suffer badly afterwards. I get dreadful heartburn. And, uh, and I think it's still going on a little bit today. Anyway, so I'm, I'm watching um, what I eat, and I then go back home and I do a few little bits and pieces, go out to do a little bit of shopping, still waiting for some stuff to be delivered from Cooper's of uh, Bishop Stortford. Having paid for next day delivery, that turned out to be a load of old codswallop because that never arrived yesterday. And uh, so obviously they didn't bother with me. And then what else do we do? Oh, that's right. So I turn on the telly to be greeted by the ghastly sight of Josie Cunningham, who was there on Loose Women. I've got no idea what she was on for. I can only assume that it was some ghastly joke. I could only assume that there was not one member of the panel who had the decency to stand up and say, if you put her on this programme, I'm walking off the set. It was that bad. You know, this woman had obviously been coached in what to say. Obviously, her agent, because believe it or not, somebody as, as bad as that and as sick as that has an agent nowadays. Somebody will always be willing to make money out of the lowlifes. 
and she is the lowlife. You know, this is the woman. She was talking about abortion, and, you know, and the usual claptrap was coming out as if she had it written on her hand. You know, it's my body, I'll do with it what I want, blah, 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 I want my nose done. And she wanted to be a glamour model. And you remember how this all started when she had her boobs done on the NHS, which you and I had to pay for. Then she decided she didn't like them, so she wanted us to pay to have them reduced again. There is no way under God's earth you could ever make this woman look attractive. And that's not being rude, that's just a hard fact. There is no way, when you look at what glamour models look like, and then you look at what Josie Cunningham looks like, they are miles apart, miles apart. She's not even in the same league, you know, and she's doing pornography. And you think, well, that's about what you can do. And again, it was the old claptrap. It's my body and I like it, I like sex. As if she was being clever. As if she was being clever. And we seem to applaud this rank stupidity. And so, eventually... Eventually, having had the host of the programme, it was giving her basically the easiest run I've ever seen on television. I mean, quite clearly, if you're a weather girl, you haven't got the faintest bloody idea how to conduct an interview with somebody. And it was just pitifully awful. Finally, Jane Moore said, listen, I've got to say, I was not in favour of you coming on this programme. I'm not in favour of you being here. I don't like this uh, kind of route that you're going down. And then Gloria Honeyford chipped in. And then gradually we started getting some sense out of this woman. And so I tweeted... This woman needs medical help. She doesn't need to be put on television. And I don't think it's very clever of loose women to actually put somebody on there who's medically unbalanced, who's quite clearly sick. She's not a well person. And and they're, they're laughing at her. That's what she was put on there for. I was surprised the audience, who appeared to be sheep yesterday, actually applauded Josie Cunningham at the end. I mean, dear God, let's hope it never happens to one of your daughters that they go down that route. She's got three children. Her income is pornography. I just thought it was the saddest piece of television I'd ever seen. Really, I couldn't... I seriously kind of despaired after that. I began to wonder whether or not loose women could actually sink any lower. Can they sink any lower than putting somebody like that on television? The producers must have been off their blooming trolleys. You don't need to put somebody like that on television. It's not right. She should be getting medical help. They did ask, you know, have you seen a psychiatrist? Yeah, that didn't do any good. And that's, that was her, her dismissive argument for the whole thing. It's, she quite clearly wants to do what she does. And she sat there with this badly bleached hair, this, this podgy face, this, this, and this oof, rubbish emanating from her mouth. Really. So if she wants to do pornography, let her do pornography. Let her sleep with everybody. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. I just don't want to see him on the television. And I should imagine Loose Women probably got a fair barrage of complaints about it yesterday. She shouldn't have been put on there. It was, uh, it was a bad, bad error of judgment. Producers should be thrown out immediately. If ever I had a producer like that going, oh, by the way, we've set Josie Cunningham up for in conversation. I think I'll be found hanging from a window outside. It was just pitifully awful, pitifully awful. But I agreed with what, uh, with what Jane Moore said. And the others were trying to get round to it in their own way. But it, just, it was just bad, just bad. This woman shouldn't be put on television or feature in the newspapers. She's sick. She needs help. She needs help. And, as I say, th- this was the one who wanted us to pay for a car because she couldn't take the bus into town because people pointed at her. That's the figure she's made for herself. You know, I'm not remotely interested. But if you go on the papers and say, I had an abortion because I wanted to have a nose job and this kind of stuff, and I had an abortion because I wanted to be on Big Brother, and you think to yourself, I mean, she's a sick woman. She's sick. You know, I'm surprised the council haven't stepped in with social services. They generally interfere where they're not wanted, don't they? I'm surprised they've batted in on that one as well. Um, and then I, so on the way, so that was yesterday. That was, that was the afternoon taken up, practically. But in the meantime, I picked up a copy of Closer magazine. I love it. 
I love reading all these tacky magazines because they're, they're literally coming up with any old claptrap. And uh, Closer this week came up with... Well, the, the main headline was actually uh, Victoria Beckham. Inside a Closer News report. I mean, this, this is real cutting-edge stuff. Inside the Beckham's desperate marriage fight back. Posh and Beck's to go separate ways. Fears grow for superstar couple amid more reports of bitter row. This is recycled rubbish. Posh holds crisis talks and considers marriage therapy. No, she doesn't. David tells her we need to reconnect. No, he didn't. This is blatant lies. Lie after lie after lie. You begin to wonder whether or not they just sit down and make it up because they know that the Beckhams won't sue. Um, But she's already said there's nothing to matter with our marriage. Of course, they have separate lives at the moment because she's jetting off to do something over here and he's jetting off this way. You know, because they're not involved in the same business, apart from Brand Beckham, why should they have to worry about what anybody thinks about their marriage? All this crap about posh holds crisis talks is rubbish. They haven't held crisis talks at all. They, they get together, they see the children, they go out for dinner, they do their usual things. It's just that they've got business interests and it happens to take her over here and him over here. You know, put it this way, I mean, they've got four children, so the marriage can't be that adrift, can it? And one of them's not that old. So I thought that was a bit bad. But the funniest interview was this one with, uh, with Kerry Coke Toner. Uh, they say, as insiders suspect, Kerry may already be pregnant with baby number six. Apparently, she tells pals she wants Jordan to be pregnant at the same time. That's uh, Jordan married to little Kieran. Remember little Kieran? Slept with two of her best friends and how we laughed. Anyway, apparently, um, it started as a joke and uh, Katie suggested a race. Because uh, Katie, of course, doesn't actually have anything to do apart from attack anybody she thinks about in the newspapers. And Kerry Katona doesn't even have a career. But she's having children like this going out of fashion. But anyway, apparently, uh, George... This is George, who is Kerry Katona's husband, has tried to encourage Kieran and messaged him, telling to hurry up. He thinks another baby will cement his relationship with Kerry. Insiders saying Kerry's hoping to be pregnant at uh, upcoming vow vow renewal. And so uh, apparently she's cutting down on stodgy carbs and eating loads of protein and uh, fruit. And she's looking forward to renewing her vows uh, vows with, uh, with George before Christmas. Of course, this was two days ago. Since then, the marriage has collapsed completely and she's filing for divorce. Ha, 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 How we laughed, ladies and gentlemen. You know, George giving advice to Kieran is almost like me giving advice to the captain of the Titanic on let's avoid the iceberg, shall we? Ridiculous. So anyway, George kicked out. Kerry Katona, no work. Nothing on the horizon. Nobody's going to touch her. She's going to end up, you know, the kids. I don't know how she's supporting these poor children. Perhaps George can get a job. But giving advice to Kieran, hilarious, hilarious. But Jordan thinks that her and Kieran are together forever. You poor soul. I feel immensely sorry for you. It's quarter past four. Nick and the team at breakfast this morning. The son owner Rupert Murdoch has called for a real black president. What is a real black president? A new... uh, Airbnb for refugees is set to start this week. Is it safe and will you have a refugee in your home? And as a Hungarian photographer defends a fashion shoot inspired by migrant chic, is it art or just offensive? That's Nick this morning from seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz looking at the papers, Charlotte Proudman, barrister. Oh, is that the one? Is that the one Charlotte Proudman? Is she that one who is in the papers about don't look at me because I'm not attractive? Is that that one? I can't remember. It might be, actually. She's at the chambers of Michael Mansfield QC. It'll be interesting if it is that one, because she's obviously still enjoying the fame. 
So uh, I shall let you know. I'd love to be on Sunday morning because I won't be, even though I'm here, tomorrow morning between uh, five, I don't remember what time I'm on, five and seven tomorrow with the best of Steve Allen, which I think will incorporate uh, yesterday's amazing show, which I thought was pretty good, actually. I liked it a lot. A lot of movement in housing due to parents trying to get their kids in the best school. Uh, Yes, I've discovered a lot of people cheat. They actually will sort of rent places, don't they? Just so they can pretend that they live there so they can get their kids into the best school. I've seen them exposed by some councils on the television. I also think that's going the, the extra bit, isn't it? You know, we want our kid in this school, so we're pretending we're living here. So they have these inspectors that go around knocking on the doors and finding out, hello, does anybody live here? Uh, no, the woman was in yesterday, but she doesn't live here. Oh, right. Then they go back to them and go, you're not living there at all, are you? Just lying. Uh, Johnny says, well said on Josie Cunningham, that was put on the earth by the devil, not God. No, I think she definitely came from God. It's just that some people fall off the uh, the wagon. And uh, I just don't think we should give her any airtime whatsoever. I mean, I don't mind talking about her because I think that's actually quite healthy. I don't want to see her face in the newspapers. I don't want to see her on the television because she's quite clearly got, got a few issues. There's quite clearly something medically the matter with her. She needs to get some sort of help. There is no way she's ever going to be a model. The only way she's ever going to be considered attractive is if you shove her in pornographic films, which is what she's doing. And for that, you don't actually need to sort of be attractive. It's a case of if you're in pornographic films, you'll have sex with anybody. That's what you do. They don't go, I don't want to sleep with that person. I'll I'll sleep with that. No, you're sleeping with this person. Okay, that's what it is. That's what pornography is. And once you've gone down that route, then there is no turning back, really. And she's never going to make much money. She's always going to be that council house tenant who sort of everybody looked at and went, oh, God, not her again. And that's what people do. So to see her on Loose Women, it was just, it was just wrong, actually. Just completely wrong. Just completely wrong. She's never been put on there. Uh, Scally Ranks is uh, part of my 4 a.m. special bike in the morning. Uh, A lot of people keep writing to me and going, what the dickens is this 4am spike? And uh, it's where the figures just go and shoot through the roof. And it hits at four o'clock. It hits at four o'clock. Four o'clock in the morning. You could see that all of a sudden the radios go, aren't people who've woken up, people who've been to sleep or people who are sort of just there anyway. And we just add to the figures. And so consequently, the 4am spike is kind of legendary. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk, Mike in Lincolnshire, said, yesterday's Make Some Noise stories made me realise just how fortunate I am. Well done on the total realise for your afternoon tea. Just how many charities surrender 100% of the total raise these days? I don't, I don't think very many. I don't think very many. Because what they do is they have to take out the cost of, of doing it and employing people. And as I've said to you before, and I've said on a regular basis, a charity now is a business. It's run as a business. They have, you know, people at the head of the charities and people who know what they're doing, people who are out there to fundraise and fundraising costs. I forget what it was. There was one particular charity. I can't remember which one it was, though. And they said that for every pound that they raised, 80 pence of it uh, went on on the background staff and doing the publicity and everything else. So only 20 pence was given. It's like whenever you get stopped by chuggers in the street, they're on about 10 quid an hour. Don't ever believe any baloney if they tell you anything. Ask them, before they start spinning you all the, all the claptrap they give you, ask them how much they're earning an hour. And they'll, they'll, they'll hedge their, their answers. They'll, they'll go round the houses on that one. They really will. They, they never tell you, but they're about between 10 and 12 quid an hour. They're making more, more I think the people who work in uh, in shops and baristas and stuff like that, they're making a lot of money. But you've got to stand there, a bit soul-destroying on the street. A little bit soul-destroying. I always tell them to go away. <laughs> or find that the easiest way to make them go away is to hold your telephone up to your ear. 
so here's old Kerry Katona. The final parting line from Kerry Katona was, she thinks that her and George are real survivors. This is how delusional this poor old thing is. And by going through a big life experience together, we'll cement their friendship forever. I don't think so, dear. In the courts, I believe. In the courts. How we laughed, honestly. The car crash that is Kerry Katona. No career, no chance of anything, but she's luckily got four gorgeous children, which she's got to kind of find some way of um, of supporting. And I don't know how she's going to support them. Nobody's going to touch her with a barge pole. I mean, it's getting so desperate for um, for poor Daniela Westbrook. She's having to go on a on a show which is going to aim to sort of turn her into some sex siren, which, of course, is highly unlikely. And um, and then she thinks, what at the end? She's having her boobs done, her implants done, veneers, usual sort of things. And she thinks that this is this is going to change things. I don't think so. It's not going to change anything at all. She was certified, you know, not able to do Celebrity Big Brother. They uh, had a psychiatrist in and he said, no, you're definitely not fit for purpose. Because if you remember, within about two seconds of being on the Jungle programme, with my kids, with my kids. And you think to yourself, oh, please, go and get some help. There's too many people that we're putting on television and we're laughing at them as opposed to with them. And that's always the wrong thing. And I've said before, it, it will not be too long before one of these people turns around and sues the programme for actually putting them on there and making people laugh at them. I'm surprised, actually, that Josie Cunningham hasn't actually turned up in court saying, you know, all these people are laughing at me because of this story that appeared in the newspapers or because they put me on Loose Women or because they, they put me on here and they put me on there. Whereas the truth be known, we should just leave her wherever she is. Let her rot. Let us stay up there. Let us sort of, you know, go to go to the school on the... I couldn't care less what, what she does. As long as she stays well out of everybody's life and she's nowhere near your children to influence people who go, oh, that's a role model. She's not a role model for anybody at all. She's a role model made for people who appear on the Jeremy Kyle show and you know what a low level that is. Uh, Peter Andre's a liar. He's a liar. He told lies. The judge said so in court. The judge said so. Peter Andre. He was, he was, I'll, I'll give you the actual quotes from it, because I'm, I'm a bit surprised myself, actually, seeing as sort of Peter Andre, sort of everybody's favourite boy, isn't he, because he dances. But uh, in court, the judge branded him a liar. And um, it's a very interesting case. I'll tell you about it, actually, and why, uh, why Pete's has been uh, sort of, you know, branded a liar. Uh, Drugs destroyed my looks, goes Daniela Westbrook, who's selling every aspect of her dreary existence. She plummeted to seven stone, seven pounds. Woohoo, I live in hope. She suffered a breakdown just six months ago. Did she really? Did she really? And uh, they talked to her about going under the knife. It could be the fresh start she needs. No, it isn't. No, it isn't at all. Uh, She was with Brian Harvey when she was fresh-faced, and then she decided to shove half a Columbia up her nose. That's her problem. I couldn't care less what somebody chooses to do with their money. If she chooses to waste it and, uh, and do that, it's great. She says, I begged my doctor to section me. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I should imagine you really did. Anyway, she woke up on her birthday and burst into tears. I know I burst into tears every time I see anything about you. She had a mini facelift and she's going to go and have another one. Uh, she wants to replace her dentures and she wants to have corrective breast surgery and a lift. And I'm assuming this will be it. But she says, I'm fed up with being bullied. God, it's that old one, isn't it? It's that, that's what Josie Cunningham came up with. The reason I look like this is because I was bullied. Of course you were, dear. Everybody was bullied. I don't know anybody who wasn't bullied, actually. I was bullied. You were probably bullied listening. Producers bullied. Everybody's bullied. We're all bullied. Everybody at some point is bullied. And I'm afraid it's not really enough nowadays, is it, to sort of come up with, oh, I was bullied and that's the reason that I'm like this. Everybody was bullied. We didn't turn out like this. I didn't shove half a Columbia up my nose because I was bullied at school. Not on a huge basis, but everybody at some point was bullied. Too tall, too fat, too thin, sticky out ears, specky four eyes, ginger, you name it. 
everybody was bullied for some reason. I mean, if you were fat and you were ginger, you kind of got the brunt of everything, didn't you? But the fat kids at school were always the most popular with me because they always had sweets. And I liked the sweets or cakes. Their mother would always give them the extra, the extra bit of food, which I liked. But, uh, you know, so not enough now, Daniela. You need to actually man up, or in your case, woman up, and uh, try and take control of your life, as opposed to being this pathetic waste of space, which you are quite clearly. She says here, I've got a way to go. I'm due to move into my new house and get settled. I thought you were bankrupt, dear. Where's that come from? How's this? You're in a new house. Where's the money come from? How does this work? God, I tell you, every time you read about somebody bankrupt and then you uh, and then you sort of open up the papers again and here they are moving to a new house. I mean, put it this way, even Kerry Coke Toner doesn't own her house. They're all rented and she's just downsized because presumably the money is run out completely. I mean, now she's existing day to day. Must be pot noodle or something. But um, it's uh, it's it's literally, I think, known now in the business that she's almost untouchable. There's quite a number of them that are untouchable. They'll, they'll put them on this morning and uh, Holly and Phil can sit there and go, oh, it's terrible for you, Josie, isn't it, really? feel really sorry for you, you waste of space. And yet, of course, if it was one of their children, they'd be completely different, completely different about it. So that's why we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't put these people on the television. We shouldn't give them the oxygen. We shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't actually give them the oxygen of publicity. So that's that's why it doesn't it doesn't make make any difference now who the person is. If you put them in magazines, they believe in their tiny minds that they are famous. They believe that they're that they're just that they're sort of invincible. So when they appear on television programmes, they think that people are going to sort of treat them specially. Pfft, don't know why. No idea why. Stories in the papers, though. Always good. Always good. Except in the sun this morning on the front page. Oh, every paper, incidentally, is running Nadia. The untold story. Dad worked as a waiter in a curry house. Hubby gave her the strength to enter Bake Off. She's got a lovely recipe in one of the papers. You're going to love this one. You're going to love this one. My, my friend Nicola likes this one too. And I think it's... Oh, wait a minute. It's not in this paper. It's in another one. But it's... Uh, they're like um, buns. Buns? That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Buns. Wait a minute. I'm going to find it because just even reading it out to you, you're going to go, that sounds absolutely delicious. And here it is. Iced buns with sour cherry jam and almond custard. Yum, yum, yum. They look gorgeous. They look gorgeous. They really are. She made in the final to try these at home. And they look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, They are actually featured on the BBC Food website. So, iced buns with sour cherry jam and almond custard. I mean, she's quite clearly very clever. That's why she won it. That's why she won it, and that's why she's, uh, she's particularly good. Um, Kate, who's probably one of these odd people at this time, does the machine show when people switch off as well as on? No, no, because they don't. If only. Because if they actually switched off, then you would see the dip in figures, but you don't. It just spike up here somewhere. Enormous. Absolutely enormous. And you're, you're part of it as well, because you've sent in a text, so that contributes to it. So, Fantastic. Thank you very much. I love things like that. You know, we are absolutely untouchable in the uh, in the spiking department. Uh, the judge branding Peter Andre a liar, accused by the High Court of lying and making up evidence. Oh dear, Mr. Squeaky Clean, not so Mr. Squeaky Clean anymore. However, not half as bad as England rugby ace Jonathan Joseph, who cheated on his childhood sweetheart, who's called Eloise Harris, with Casey Batchelor. Oh dear. Well-known old tart around town, Casey, who'll flog any old pictures and stories that she's got, uh, had a bit of a, a fling with him. Apparently, the night before 
the Rugby World Cup started. Oh dear. Full story in the sun this morning. That'll come after the news, which is next because it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, it's tough being in show business, ladies and gentlemen. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I've got to talk to Elizabeth Hurley today. I mean, how dreadful is my life? Elizabeth Hurley is coming in to talk to Steve Allen. I'm not telling you what time, <laughs> but you'll be you'll be in bed. No, you are not allowed to follow me. Somebody else said that. Jim Diamond said to me yesterday, he said, you've got Elizabeth Hurley in. So I said, yes. He said, what time? I said, I'm not telling you. I don't, he's going to stalk me now. Now, Beth, she won't tell you. They won't tell you. It's all being very... She, uh, the, he thinks the producer will tell him what time Elizabeth Hurley's coming in. She's going to, everybody's going to be looking at her. Everybody's going to be looking at her. And it, yeah, but of course, I mean, I'm going to be sitting with her for about 30 minutes in a studio being filmed, which is fantastic. You're not going in there. You're not. I'm sorry. You'll just have to, you'll have to buy the video afterwards. Steve Allen meets Elizabeth Hurley. I've done her before, as they say in the business. But uh, it's a tough life, but somebody's got to do the job and get paid for it. I feel a bit embarrassed, actually, taking the money. You know, they say, would you like to interview Elizabeth Hurley? Is the Pope Catholic? Hello. And, um, and then you have to do it. You go, oh, dear, but I've got... I, you know, I needed to go and buy some new socks from Marks and Spencers. <laughs> so I, what would I rather do, buy new socks or talk to Elizabeth Hurley? I think it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. Anyway, Jonathan Joseph romped with model Casey Batchelor. I think, actually, I don't think I'd ever call her a model. She was a bit dreary, wasn't she, on, uh, on Big Brother? And uh, he actually bedded her twice in one night after sneaking away from his girlfriend. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. The poor girlfriend, here she is, made to look like the doormat. It's like all these people, isn't it, in football or rugby, who go and cheat on their partners. And um, he's been caught out. I'm assuming Casey Batchelor sold the story, because that's that's the only income she's got at the moment. And um, uh, she said he's clearly just an immature 24-year-old. He speaks posh, but when he's with mates, he speaks all cool and hip. I don't have time for that. But uh, Casey Batchelor had a fling with Lee Ryan, what they say was one of the biggest uh, stories in the show's history. What? Girl sleeps with bloke. I don't think that's very exciting, is it? And then sells stories. I think we have names for people like Casey Batchelor. I feel a bit sorry for her, really, because that's about all she can do. And, uh, and so she sleeps with a bloke who's got a girlfriend. And she knew that he had a girlfriend. And yet she still slept with him twice in a night. I mean, he's a buffoon anyby A complete idiot. But uh, he, he sort of... Uh, they've been together a long time, never saw each other. Uh, I never saw each other with him living in Bath and her in Manchester. I told him I wasn't going to be a third person, but of course then uh, then she sought, wait a minute, pound signs. I can sell this story. And so she hops into bed. And uh, the rest, as they say, is front page history. And that's how it works. That's how it works. I, I say in my book, did I mention I have a book? Um, I, I say that it's fame by association. So in other words, you know, if you're not famous... Uh, then you have to hang around with somebody who's relatively famous or sleep with them or have a fling with them or turn them down or do something so that it's fame by association. There was a very famous person a short while ago who was uh, accused of some historical sexual offences, which turned out to be lies. And, uh, and they said, but you met this person. And this other person, who is nameless for the purposes of this programme, said, uh, no, I didn't. I've never met them in my life. And they went, you've got a picture. We have a picture of you with them. Really? And it turned out they just met in the street. 
And it was, it was almost like a setup. And you think that's what people do now. I remember years and years ago, there was a story of uh, Boy George who was going through his sort of druggy period. Always deeply unpleasant. Not a particularly nice person. But he goes to a nightclub and they were looking to uh, find somebody. And they, they said to some bloke, listen, we'll give you 100 quid if you go over to George and either throw a drink over him or hit him as he comes out of the nightclub. And this bloke said, OK. So he takes the money and he goes over to, to George. And I think he throws a drink over him or something like that. And the papers get their, their picture. And it's, and it's very easy to get people... People who do anything for money nowadays. So when you get Casey Batchelor and, uh, you know, and all these other people who just flog their, their dreary stories about who they've been out with and who they've bedded, they're just doing it for money. And that's called prostitution. Prostitution doesn't necessarily have to include sex. But nine out of ten times, it probably does. And that's when you get the story. And you get the story of, you know, girls who'll bed a footballer and then sell the story. I mean, that's, it makes them look a bit cheap and tarty. But there again, if you've already got that kind of reputation, who cares? What have we got to lose? So it's fame by association. You can either become famous yourself by going on The Apprentice, in which case most of them disappear without trace. I mean, there's one of them coming up in this new series. He's had three bankrupted companies. Can't wait to hear the claptrap he comes up with, can you? Oh, yes, because, you know, the, the, the answer is yes, I can do it. No, you can't. You've bankrupted three companies. You're a failure, as far as I'm concerned. Kelvin McKenzie... Uh, generally gets grumpier as he gets older, which I, I don't disapprove of. But he does say here, sadly, a man I don't know his identity jumped in front of a train at Surbiton Station in Surrey on Wednesday at 7.30 in the morning. I was on the 7.22 behind that train. The knock-on effect lasted all day. I missed an important meeting and hundreds of thousands of passengers. It's the busiest line in the country, uh, taking in Portsmouth, Basingstoke and Woking on the way to Waterloo, had their day massively disrupted. Other people can speak for the victim. I would like to say the following. One, what about the train driver? Will he ever recover from the trauma? Two, what about the emergency services who have to piece together what remains of the victim? And three, what about the relatives? Somebody's got to identify the body. This wasn't a simple drugs overdose. Those latest shootings in America indicate that the gunmen want their moment of fame in that... The, uh, is 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 that the case of these rail suicides? Discuss, he says. I, I said that a short while ago when they had somebody who fell in front of a train at Twickenham on the rugby. I think it was on the first day of the rugby. It was on the Friday, I think. And uh, for two and a half hours, people didn't know what to do. They had nowhere to go. Poor Brian at the station is trying to field all these people. And they go, what we, well, you go down there and turn left and you can get a bus to Richmond. But uh, other than that, walk. Walk to Richmond. If that's where you're going, then you can get an underground train. And, you know, and then somebody else said, oh, but what about the poor victim? And you think, yeah, what about the poor victim? The selfish person who threw themselves in front of the train should have been having medical treatment. Why? Because we're cutting back on services. These people slip under the radar. Nowadays, you either put them on television. I mean, look at Daniela Westbrook was deemed not fit to go on the television because she's not emotionally stable. Josie Cunningham is not emotionally stable. Kerry Katona is not emotionally stable. These people need some sort of help. The oxygen of celebrityism has taken it all over. It's the kind of thing that people want to be. Ask kids in school, what do you want to be? Famous. Why do you want to be famous? Money. Oh, right, that's it, is it? Yeah, money. Girls. Boys. Chocolates. Big cars. Flash cars. That's all they want nowadays. People just want to be famous. They don't actually know why they want to be famous. And they don't quite think of the consequences of fame. All, all they want to do is be famous. I think, really, it's, it's a case of, you know, it's like buying designer clothes. If you see, for example, Elizabeth Hurley today, as I will be seeing Elizabeth Hurley, uh, I'll be looking at her clothes, not thinking, uh, oh, I wonder how much that outfit is. I mean, you wouldn't think she'd be wearing anything from Primark, would you? You wouldn't think. 
You'd be thinking Elizabeth Hurley, she wears nice quality clothes because she's an ambassador for Estee Lauder and she's got the money so she can afford to do that. And yet it would be quite easy for her to dress in Primark and still look a million dollars because she's got the looks. It was said that Elizabeth Taylor, she couldn't wear any of her jewellery out because it was too expensive and nobody would insure it. So they had copies made of all her her jewellery and she wore the copies which was a lot safer than people going, let's mug Elizabeth Taylor and take the jewellery. It was worth millions, millions and millions and millions. And also, because it was hers, it came with, with the provenance. But, I mean, Elizabeth Hurley could stand there in a bin liner and look attractive. The producer, of course, has had this image in his mind for some time now. I'm still not telling you what time she's coming into the studio today, but I will be having 30 minutes in the company of her, and that will be for a future In Conversation this weekend for In Conversation, and we'll have a couple of clips later for you. It's going to be the fabulous Joanna Lumley and the wonderful Chris Tarrant. Chris talking about his extreme railway journeys, and um, and lovely Joanna talking about everything from the Ab Fab film, and she does do a bit of Patsy for me, thank you. And, and we're talking about her favourite charity, the Gurkhas, as well. So that's to come this weekend. A couple of clips coming up around 5.30 this morning. Uh, more of your texts and emails. More on uh, the untold story of the great British Bake Off champion. She had to get the kids to lie. She said, I've got to try and rectify that one. And they seem a lovely couple and she can bake. And, um, and, and it's just, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. No, I couldn't care less whether she's wearing a burqa, whether she can balance a thing on her head. I'll tell you what I did see on the telly the other day, though. I watched one of those um, Guinness Book programmes, you know, where they go for records. How about this one? This is a guy, I can't tell you his name. He's swallowed. He's, he's, he's known in the business as a regurgitator. I never know how people do this. But this guy is a regurgitator, and he is a master regurgitator. He swallowed 11 Spanish one peseta coins, each one with a different year. Okay, he swallowed them. Gone. One by one by one by one by one. Oh, sorry. Uh, Eleven. Eleven he actually swallowed. And then they asked members of the audience to call out a year. A year that he could bring back up again. Now, how he did it, I have no... I thought maybe it's a trick. Maybe it's a trick. He went... Somebody went, 1993. He spat out. 1993. They showed it on camera. 2002. He obviously had the ability to put these coins into some sort of order in his stomach. How? I have no idea. Not a clue. There was no trick to it. He's a regurgitator. I've seen people swallow live goldfish and then bring them up still alive. I mean, how do you ever discover that you can do that? I've seen people swallow billiard balls no, I don't want to know, really. Billiard balls. Well, they can't be billiard balls. They must be a bit smaller than, than billiard balls. And then they could bring up the colours. Somebody would go green. He'd go... And there would be the green ball. And you'd think... But it was this bloke doing the, doing the dates on the coins. And each one was... Abs- he did all 11 absolutely correctly. He must have the ability. Perhaps his stomach's got little pockets in it. And he was able to put the, the coins into each little pocket. Unless he can... I don't know. I've got no idea. I was completely befuddled by the whole thing, but I just, I loved it, actually. I loved it. I thought it was terribly clever. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn how to be a regurgitator. Now, to be honest with you, after a night of drinking, I can bring most things up, I think. Actually, no, it's not true. I don't do sickies. I don't do sickies. Um, as the loudmouth comic slams own biopic, we ask, is Russell's brand over? Do hope so. Stupid man. Stupid man. Self-proclaimed messiah and idiot. That's what drugs do for your kids. Stay well away from them. It's not good. 
Uh, he's demanded cuts to the documentary, admits he needs the cash. His film career has stalled because they've suddenly realised he's a one-trick pony. He's not funny. He's not interesting. He's just a very silly boy. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Loads of people loving Dynamo, who's on tour at the moment, saying how amazing he is. And uh, as I say, he is he's very good. But if you want to see magic and you want to go, wow, that was amazing. I have a show on New Year's Day at the Magic Circle. There's literally just a handful of tickets left. I think it's something like 10 or 12 seats which are left. It's only a small theatre, but you can come to the Magic Circle uh, here in London. And uh, the money goes to charity. And we'll have close-up magicians. We'll have about three. You'll be split up into groups. There'll be about 120 of you. 160 of you, I beg your pardon. And you'll be watching some amazing close-up magic. I mean, literally, things that will happen within inches. You can stare at it and you'll swear blind that he puts that card down. You put your hand on it. You'll turn it over. It'll be something completely different. And you won't see a thing. And, uh, and you can go to the museum and the Magic Circle. And then we have a, a stage show for you as well. In the past, Paul Zerdin's been there. We've had loads and loads of really super magicians. I know that Ben Hart's going to be one of the magicians working the stage for us this year. Sickeningly good looking. But uh, so I shall have to try and do something. I need to lose about a stone before we get to this programme and do this show. So it's on New Year's Day uh, at the Magic Circle. Because Christmas is the best time to lose weight. Do you know, actually just thinking about that, I was thinking about last year and we had turkey and we had the pigs in blankets, crispy roast potatoes, <laughs> cauliflower cheese, Yorkshire puddings. We like putting Yorkshire puddings onto our Christmas dinner now. There's something a bit bizarre about it, but it goes really well with turkey and the, and the gravy. God, honestly, I want it now. I want to eat it now. I don't want the puddings. I just want the, I just want the turkey. Uh, yesterday, or so far, when they actually emailed me yesterday... We raised for Make Some Noise yesterday. Wait a minute, I've got to do the figure again. This, this, this was when I got it. This was, you know, some, some hours ago. £1,624,854. And I know that it went, it went a lot higher than that. I think it went up to about, about 1900000 which was, I mean, quite phenomenal, quite phenomenal. Um, so, oh, incidentally, oh, sorry about the uh, the show at the Magic Circle. Yeah, go to the Magic Circle's website and there's details on there. OK. Uh, also, where's Kevin Hughes been going recently? Oh, he went to uh, Les Mis's 30th uh, as the original 1985 cast took to the stage. How lovely. They were all there, actually. That was uh, Colm Wilkinson, Francis Raphael, Patti Lapone. Super show. One of my favourites. I was one of the first people to see Les Miserables. We did it on LBC before anybody else did it, because I went to see it at the uh, Barbican when it first... Oh, it went for hours. I had to leave before the end of it. <laughs> uh, still people tweeting about, um, about A, Sweeney Todd and B, Dynamo. A lot of people saying that uh, watching Dynamo... Uh, got me into magic. Guy called Angus as I booked tickets. So excited to see my all-time favourite magician. So I think that's good if you actually get people um, who will go and see magic and then, as a result, will go and buy some tricks and learn some tricks. And that's uh, that's good. Somebody says, uh, Lisa says, I knew I was going to be excited to watch Dynamo, but holy moly, this takes the biscuit. Insanely amazing. Oh, good. I'm glad everybody likes it. Uh, also, uh, Mrs Henderson Presents will transfer to the Noel Coward Theatre in Feb 2016. So next Feb. Next Feb. Very good. Um, another one here, very quickly. Uh, ta, ta, ta. Uh, a lot of people talk about Bake Off. And uh, Lucy Horobin is talking about Jermaine Douglas and Stedman Pearson, who look very similar. Doesn't Stedman 
who was in Five Star, come with a bit of history. There was something about him at the back of my mind, and I can't remember what it was. Kevin Hughes is still up. I can't believe... How can he still be up at this... Have you been to bed yet? He said you would have loved it. I've got the one where they, they did it at the Royal... Was it the Royal Albert Hall or somewhere? And uh, and they did Les Miserables. And they brought on all the uh, Jean Valjeans from around the world. Every person who was in Les Miserables around the world who was playing Jean Valjean came back and sang... Do you hear the... Hello? So people who have come and have a peer in my door. I like it when they have a quick look in the door. And uh, so I can't believe you're still up, actually, Kevin. You must be like... I mean, are you not sleeping or something? <laughs> How does this happen? How does it happen? Although if he went to that, he's probably still doing his uh, his pieces for the radio, which we'll hear later on. Uh, lots and lots of other people turned up the other day. The amount of celebrities popping into this building yesterday was almost unbelievable. Almost unbelievable. Uh, Cancer Research UK, the Plymouth shop. Uh, they've got a new sales assistant. Uh, her name's Michelle, so that's good. And uh, And John Maloney who I now pick up all his all his tweets and everything else. I see that uh, Lunch with Nigel Farage, I said it would do well, £8,099. £8,099. I can't compete with uh, with that at all. And uh, the, the, the amount of money that came in, absolutely fantastic. Have I missed a break? I can't remember if I've missed a break or not. I haven't, have I? No. I, I, was, I was waffling so much. I looked at the clock and I thought... Have I missed the break or something? I don't know. Uh, Kelly, absolutely, together with Wayne, loved Dynamo. I'm glad he's doing very well with that. I was slightly disturbed about him doing an arena. It's very difficult when they do these big theatre shows to actually uh, see what's going on, but it seemed to work for everybody. Frances Raffel, I love Frances Raffel. She's, she's great. Oh, look, Kevin, amazing night. Congrats to Cameron and all the cast. I don't think that boy sleeps. I'm totally convinced he does. It, it just doesn't sleep. Some people are like that, actually. Uh, and David says, at least you're allowed to eat again. Yes, Ian is addicted to the show. He said it keeps me awake beside the wife snoring. Lord, that snoring thing. It, it's been known to destroy marriages, hasn't it? People can destroy a marriage by snoring. There used to be one of the guys at LBC years ago, and he was very bad at snoring, and they went in to... He's been to all sorts of sleep places to try and stop the snoring. The only thing I ever read of that kind of worked is, and don't ask me where it came from, all I remember reading was that it's in a um, paper. Sorry, that noise was Kevin saying, going to bed now. Huh? I bet he's got his Winnie the Pooh pajamas on. I bet. And um, he's, uh, he said it was amazing. He said it was amazing, so that's good. When was I got to? Oh, yes, yeah, so um, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> forgot what I was talking about. I got sidetracked by that now. I've completely forgotten myself. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It'll come back to me a little bit later on. And somebody will write in and go, you were talking about this, because sometimes you do forget when I, I get I get sidetracked by something. And uh, I, I uh, my all-time magician favourite is Tommy Cooper, says Les. Yes, I, I worked with, uh, with, uh, with Tommy. Only once. Only once. He was, he was known to enjoy the, uh, the drink. In fact, he enjoyed the drink quite a lot. But uh, and a very nervous performer, very very nervous performer. Uh, suicide on rail tracks, says Mark. Many years ago, a police friend, um, lovely. <laughs> that's right. Fooled my wife. He said he attended a decapitation of a man killed by a train. He said he had to show the wife of the man his head for identification. He held it up for her to look. She said, "That's not my husband. He was much taller than that." Thank you. Actually, I, I feel sorry for all the services who have to go for these things because they, they don't know what to expect, do they? And sometimes, you know, people 
uh, you know, people sort of commit suicide because the balance of their mind is disturbed, or it could be drink, could be all sorts of things. I mean, the, the traffic in London this morning was so bad, so bad, that I ended up getting out of the car and walking. Took me life in my hands. It just ground to a standstill. Kevin the Milkman says, I was never a big fan of magic, but your show at the Magic Circle is amazing. Close, intimate theatre and such brilliant acts. I'm in Edinburgh for the new year, so sadly we'll miss it this time round. Yes, Kevin's been, Neil's been, nor everybody's been to the shows at the uh, at the Magic Circle. They're well worth going to, I promise you, well worth going to. Uh, presumably, Miss Katona receives benefits to cover the rent and food and utilities. Uh, don't the kids' fathers provide? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I, I know nothing about whether she receives money, whether she, whether she doesn't receive money. I mean, she doesn't appear to have a job, so I'm assuming there would be benefits available, whether or not it covers the rent on the house, and she's running a car. Not bad, is it, for, uh, for, for, for somebody bankrupt? But there again, if, um, if Daniela Westbrook's moving into a new house, presumably must be rented, she can't afford to buy anything, that must be uh, paid for by somebody. How does that work? She hasn't done a day's work for ages. I was quite surprised, says Teresa, to read that the former racing driver Nigel Mansell is a member of the Magic Circle. I know, there's quite a lot of very famous members of the Magic Circle. Prince Charles, of course, being the most famous. I'm a member of the Inner Magic Circle. Just slightly better than being a member of the Magic Circle. <laughs> well, I like to tell people that, and I've got a card that says Member of the Inner Magic Circle. And, in fact, this, uh, this Saturday, tomorrow, they've got an awards ceremony, and I have been a recipient of one of their awards before, and uh, it's good. But if you, if you fancy coming, as I say, there's literally just a handful of tickets left. Uh, a married teaching assistant. This happens a lot. Cast your mind back to school. Didn't people have crushes on teachers, certain teachers that you liked, certain teachers you didn't like? Uh, this is one that's been jailed for having sex with a 16-year-old pupil he called his gorgeous wifey-woo. This is Gareth Clements, who initially told the girl he fancied her and that uh, only she understood him after his mum died. In other words, he was grooming her. Uh, Mr Clements, whose real wife is standing by him, gave her a necklace and a silver pin on her 16th and they began to have an affair. He begged her not to leave him even when uh, she uh, became... Aware, that the school became aware and called the police. She refused to make a complaint. In letters, he called the teenager his gorgeous wifey-woo, and there were references to sex. What is it with these stupid teachers? She decided to speak to the police due to his obsessive behaviour. He admitted sexual activity with a child by a person in a position of trust. In other words, if he hadn't been in a position of trust, it would have been absolutely fine for him to have sex with her. But because he was a teacher, he was jailed for a year and banned for teaching for life. Um... He apparently has been told he's been extremely lucky to have his wife's love and support. She must be immensely stupid. <laughs> immensely stupid. I mean, how long it, you know, it goes for after he's been in prison for a year, I've got no idea. But uh, sleeps with a 16-year-old. And uh, that's sort of... Because they make it sound like it's, it's something with a child. And yet, you know, 16-year-old, my God, they're getting pregnant. They're turning up on television programmes. Really quite bad. Uh, 84850, uk. And uh, we shall put everything in on the programme for you this morning. Uh, plus the the puppy breeder. She's nuts for her mutts. And this is a lady who lives with 41 dogs. Oh dear, I think 41 dogs is a little bit excessive. Do you not think so? 41 dogs? I mean, it's not exactly like sort of three or four, is it? 41. DNA can show if men are gay, apparently, now. Scientists claim they can, they can predict if a man is gay by looking at his DNA. They say the test can identify homosexuals with 70% accuracy. I think it works for women as well. Talking of that, we've got uh, a transgender turning up 
uh, in EastEnders. They made a big thing about it, whereas, in fact, that's probably their biggest mistake. They should have just got on with it. I don't think anybody's interested. I'm not remotely interested in anybody who's transgender telling us that they're transgender. Who cares? Like the producer coming in going, oh, by the way, did I mention I'm heterosexual? I couldn't care less. Makes no difference to me. Why do transgender people have to drone on about it? We had that other one, didn't we? Frankie Maloney, what's-his-face, who's written a book about it. God, I wouldn't have thought there was enough interest in that. I'd love to know how many that uh, that sold. Um, I shed 20 stones so I wouldn't be a fat daddy, says one man in the paper today. The not-so-northern light stretching across the UK. Sick of being treated like the Queen, goes Helen Mirren, delusional as usual. The Halloween costumes, which can set fire in seconds, still on sale. The silly suffragette sisters. The £4,000 bike thieves. And Peter Andre is a liar, says a judge in a TV dispute trial. Details in a moment. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's Friday. It's the 9th of October. Nearly Christmas. Yeah, I know. Uh, But you go out to the shops and all the Christmas cards are out there. The stores have started putting their Christmas merchandise out. And if it's out, as far as I'm concerned, it's available to buy. 80% of the over 55s live in fear of getting dementia. Corbyn stumps the Queen to go on holiday. It's really not looking very good for him, is it? The uh, TV soap's first gender swap star. So you can have that one droning on. It's Woman to Man, who's in EastEnders. Coronation Street weren't quite as brave. Uh, Peter Andre's a liar, says a judge in a TV dispute trial. The Halloween costume's a bit dangerous. Still set fire in seconds, still on sale. And the plastic bag basket case. That's a very good one, actually. Uh, The England ace, Jonathan Joseph, cheating on his childhood sweetheart with Casey Batchelor. She's obviously done the story for the newspapers. His girlfriend's going to be uh, very sick today when she sees the papers. And that's the worst thing, isn't it? When you think to yourself, she didn't know anything about it. He was sneaking off to have sexual relations with Casey Batchelor and cheating. I mean, without even thinking in his tiny pea brain mind and that little stuff between the ears that's filled with cotton wool at the moment, that somebody like Casey Batchelor would be the first person to get hold of the newspapers. It's like, you know, it's, you know, you're sleeping with somebody who makes a living selling pictures to the newspaper. Did you not even think, Mr Joseph, did you not think just for a maybe an instant that if you had sexual relations with her, she's going to be telling somebody? Did you not think about that? You must be a thicko, really. Goodness sake. And anyway, and here you are now splashed over the front of the papers. Not so good. A scrumbag, they've called you. And of course, I mean, if it was the night before, England's rugby, even worse. They're not supposed to do anything like that at all. Anyway, uh, the story about Peter Andre, yesterday accused by the High Court judge of lying and making up evidence. Oh, dear. And this is the, uh, his testimony was described as particularly unreliable and exaggerated. Anyway, Strictly Star, Peter Andre. Strictly Star. Why, why are we banded this word star about? He's not a star. He just, he's just somebody who's in the media, who's on the television. He was forced to cancel his honeymoon to give evidence. He claimed he had heard that TV executive Neville Hendricks had made death threats towards his ex-partner, Claire Powell, who is Peter Andre's manager. But the judge says, I completely disbelieve Mr Andre's evidence about the alleged death threats. I'm quite satisfied no death threats were ever made by Mr Hendricks against Ms Powell or anybody else. Mr Justice Flo said Andre had presented certain evidence so as not to appear the bad guy that he was an extremely unsatisfactory witness. In other words, he's a liar. 
not so good. The court awarded Mr Hendricks, singer Andre's former producer, significant damages. Andre's relationship with ex-wife Katie Price was also discussed during the hearing. Apparently, the Australian entertainer was forced to deny claims that he and Miss Powell plotted to paint Miss Price as a complete bitch after their marriage ended. Mr Hendricks said Andre and Miss Powell uh, would wind up the ex-glamour model uh, and then watch the fireworks. The court also heard that Andre said tweets sent by Mr Hendricks caused him to fear for himself and his family. These claims were also rejected by the judge, who added, Obviously, I've thought long and hard before reaching this conclusion about a well-known entertainer who's in the public eye. But I have concluded this evidence has been made up by Mr Andre. So there you go, Peter Andre the liar. Not such a good thing to have on your record, really. But his uh, agent, because that's her ex-partner they're talking about. And uh, they're going to get, uh, I think... About £7 million in compensation for cancelled shows. That's what they're looking for, I think. £7 million. But Peter Andre, in court, branded by a judge, a liar, unreliable. So, you know, I'm not surprised, actually. Of course he's going to be sticking up for Claire Powell, so I wasn't exactly surprised by that. Uh, Dale says, I was perfectly OK, Steve, this morning until you mentioned Russell Brand. Or is that Russell Bland? Sorry, but I can't stand him. I read the first ten pages of his autobiography. I thought a five-year-old could have done better. Total trash. What did you buy it for in the first place, then? It seems a silly thing to do, doesn't it? You don't like somebody, so you buy their autobiography. You see, I don't believe that. It's like somebody buying my book and then going, oh, this is utter rubbish. I couldn't... You know, knowing exactly what the programme is, and you think to yourself, you never actually read it at all, did you, really? You just sort of made it up. Which always makes us laugh, because as long as people buy it, I couldn't really care less. Noreen says, well done on the amount you raised yesterday. Excellent. Beautiful was amazing, well worth seeing. John Lennon would have been 75 today, nearly 35 years since he was murdered. 75 today. I wonder what he'd be like. I wonder what he'd be like at 75. And uh, thank you, little Julie, for uh, for that one. Uh, one here. All kicked off in Brentford last night. Uh, the uh, us buses have been on diversion since 11 p.m. and still are now. What happened in Brentford? I didn't. Something happened in Brentford last night. I didn't know about that. I shall, I shall find out exactly what it was. And um, another one here in the paper, apart from getting over the... The Peter Andre story runs in, uh, in most of the papers, actually. Because I think, you know, anything that tarnishes the all but uh, crystal clear and, and nice image that Peter Andre has with the public, now the High Court have called him a liar... Uh, that doesn't look so well. It means he's a fantasist, which means that you can't really believe much he says. If he says that in court, God knows what he says in real life. Uh, there's also a, a, there's a con artist in the paper. I quite like con artists, especially when they get caught. And this is one here who pocketed 32 grand in disability benefits while singing and dancing across Europe. Jerry Fole, described as like TV's Michael Barrymore, claimed he had a heart condition whilst performing in clubs in Cyprus and Spain. Uh, unfortunately, of course, he thought if he was over there, nobody would spot him. He was busted after YouTube clips of him on stage were spotted by the Department for Work and Pensions. Uh, he comes from Plymouth. He admitted the six-year fraud, and a judge warned him jail was almost inevitable. Fantastic. Good. Sick him in prison the rest of his life. That's what I'd like to do. You get these people. There's, there's two people in the paper today, and uh, they, they're pinching a bicycle. In fact, actually, they're pinching two bicycles from a shop in Cambridge. And they're very clearly identifiable. The uh, the CCTV pictures are absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, they went in there because if you saw somebody walking into a cycle shop wearing Lycra, you wouldn't think that they were about to pinch the bikes, would you? You would think that they, they were just cyclists, but they walked in. They're obviously quite devious. 
quite devious. And they knew exactly what they were targeting because they went in and they got, I think, about four, four grand's worth of bike, which they walked out with. It was two bikes and nobody thought anything about it because they walked in with this uh, stuff. I can't find the blasted story. I shall find it for you. Don't worry. Before the end of the programme, it will be there. But I also quite like the, the plastic bag basket case. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. This is a shopper who was chased, as if you believe that, across a Tesco's car park by security staff after borrowing a basket to unload groceries into a car. Oh, bless her. She can afford to drive a car and afford to shop in Tesco, but she can't afford 5p for a carrier bag. Thicko. Thicko. This is the first clash since the charge came in, and the guards ordered Carlia Smith to hand over the wire carrier after a tug of war sends her lunch flying to the ground... The two men grabbed the basket and claimed she intended to steal it. She's a singer, of course. and She's, she's also a poser. There's a picture of her in one of the papers doing this sort of the mm, look-at-me kind of pose. She said, I had a bag in the car, but I'd forgotten them, and I was trying to help by not wasting plastic. I was going to unload my ten items of fruit and snacks and then bring the basket back. Instead, I was humiliated in the car. But... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hadn't even got to my car when I was chased. A guard grabbed the basket and wouldn't let it go. My banana and my receipt fell out. It was total overreaction. They should have followed me to the car rather than accuse me of theft. Anyway, she used her smartphone to film the skirmish. That was lucky, wasn't it? Fancy having that with you. And uh, the guard is heard on the footage saying, Tesco does not allow baskets to be taken to the car park because we are losing a lot. I mean, they quite clearly are. Quite clearly are. How are they supposed to know? Anyway, she complained to the store and she got a 10 quid voucher. Well, there you go, darling. Happy? All right, now go away. Go and buy a plastic bag. Go and take your bag. It's finally 5p, love. You can afford to drive a car and you can't afford 5p. Something the matter with you. Not quite right. Of course, a customer could take the basket to their car. They said, all we ask, it's returned. Well, there was no guarantee she was going to return it. She might have said she was going to return it, but there was no, no guarantee. And so they, they quite rightly acted. But then she got a 10 quid voucher out of it. So I'm sure she's delighted in the papers. But she made herself look a bit silly at the same time. I had a bag in the car, but I didn't take it. Well, just buy another one, dear. It's only 5p. Why do people worry about this This 5p? Dreadful, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't quite understand why somebody be moaning. You know, you spend sort of 60 quid on, on your shopping. And then, they, and then they go, 5p for a bag? Five pence? I mean, I, I just don't, I don't quite understand why somebody... Had, be like that at all. Uh, stabbings in Brentford. Oh, the Cubridge Road one. Yes, I did hear about that this morning, actually. Um, Les says, payday today. Please, no begging letters. Funny day to get paid. Funny day to get paid. We actually get paid at the uh, at the end of the... Oh, the treatment for snoring. Oh, thank you, Paula. Thank you. It's taking you long enough to get to that bit. That was what I was talking about when I got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. Yes, the only treatment that I read about for snoring, whether it works, I don't know, but I was always told, now I'm not medically qualified, as you understand, but I'm told that the snoring is the vibrating of the palate at the back of your throat. And I was told years ago, and it might have featured in the Daily Mail, it might have been in the Express... I, it might have been in any of the tabloids. I can't remember which one it was because it was such a long time ago. But they reckon that the cure for snoring was an injection in the back of the throat which froze the palate. So, in other words, supposed to the palate being soft and pliable, it froze it so it didn't vibrate. And that cut down on smoking. Uh, sorry, that cut down on the snoring. And that's the only... And I've never found it since. So that's what I'd heard. An injection that froze the back of the palate which is the vibrating bit and then it means that you don't snore 
And I know that for a lot of people, it's a huge, huge problem. And of course, it's very, it's very dangerous at the same time. I don't know if I snore. I think I might a little bit. I know that if you drink and smoke and you're overweight, then there's a very good chance that you can snore. So I've got two out of those. Two out of those. Quarter past five. Nick and the team this morning at seven. The sun owner Rupert Murdoch has called for a real black president. What is a real black president? A new uh, Airbnb for refugees is set to start this week. Is it safe and will you have a refugee in your home? And as a Hungarian photographer defends a fashion shoot inspired by migrant chic, is it art or just offensive? Nick and the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the uh, newspapers today, you're going to like this one. This is uh, Charlotte Proudman. You remember Charlotte Proudman, do you not? She was featured all over the papers. She uh, she gave more interviews than uh, anybody else in living memory. And all about the fact that she uh, she criticised rather publicly somebody who had commented on how nice she looked. So I shan't be saying anything to her this morning. Uh, she's a barrister in family law at the chambers of Michael Mansfield QC, who I have heard of, who's also been in, I think, doing the papers. Uh, just going back to the Peter Andre uh, thing... Uh, The judge said, and I quote, um, he says, I'm quite satisfied no death threats were ever made by Mr Hendricks against Miss Powell or against anybody else. That leaves two possible explanations of Mr Andre's evidence. Either Miss Powell lied to him and told him there had been death threats when there had not, or his evidence is a complete fabrication. Uh, In other words, Peter Andre is a liar. He lied in court. He lied under oath. Not very good news for him at all. Uh, Ian says John Lennon was shot on December the 8th, not October the 9th. Lord, really? Oh, I don't know. Noreen's generally quite good on these things. She doesn't, she just just generally doesn't get uh, wrong. My mistake, not paying attention again, says Ian, his birthday today, which is exactly what she said. Thank you. Is that what she, yes, she did say that. Um, Oh, no, she didn't actually. No, his birthday today, not paying attention. John Lennon was shot on my... But yes, you've you've got it wrong. She didn't. Uh, Snoring is bad, but sleep apnea puts a strain on your heart. I'm slightly overweight, Steve. Don't drink, but I do smoke. Five foot ten and twelve stone. And, um... uh, Five foot ten, twelve stone, but I also have a seventeen-inch neck. I've been told that's why most people snore. I've also had two operations on my nose. They removed some bone to widen the nasal passage. But I'm now under the hospital and waiting to be seen in the sleep clinic. That's Matt in Basildon. It's, it affects a lot of people, snoring. I mean, it really does affect a lot of people. It can, it can put marriages at strain. I always think separate bedrooms is, uh, is, is definitely the way forward. Definitely the way forward. That's what I think, anyway. Uh, right, where's that gone? That's gone a bit wrong there, actually. I should do that again. And uh, so I'm just, just trying to load my, uh, my text messages in this morning, just so I know exactly where I'm coming from. And uh, I'm looking around at uh, the not-so-northern lights, the stunning show which has stretched south across the UK, and which will last for weeks, up in the Lake District. So beautiful, the Lake District. I've never been. I just like the pictures. In Yorkshire, I think that's gorgeous as well. Uh, Northern Ireland, never been to Ireland, never been to Ireland. Liverpool, never expressed an interest. And Scotland, which is just wonderful. This is in the Northwest Highlands. They've got a super, super picture here. I mean, they're all really lovely pictures. The not-so-northern lights, which is good. Uh, the end of squishy bananas. I don't like squishy bananas. It's like runny eggs. Can't do runny eggs either. And squishy bananas, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Dan says, um, I've got my new phone, so my details will be out of your system like before. Three guys in a fight with two stabbed, one critical. Road still closed. It'll be a nightmare if not reopened before 7am. Well, it's 20 past five, so they've, they've got enough time, I suppose, haven't they, to try and get something done. That was down the Q Bridge, uh, Q Bridge end, I think, of uh, Brentford as well. 
John said, five pence for a bag, Steve. My wife came home from Tesco with a whole trolley. She said it only cost a quid. That's what people are going to be doing, isn't it? They're going to be taking, you know, things out to the car and, you know. But five pence for a bag. These people need to get over themselves. They need medical help. Complaining about 5p for a bag. Uh, Being an apprentice, better than studying for a mediocre degree. Quite like that one. And uh, apparently women more upset by emotional betrayal than sexual infidelity. Well, proven by that teacher. Proven by that teacher only a short while ago. Somebody say, you know, the uh, the teacher, he's gone to prison for having sexual relations with a 16-year-old pupil, and the wife's going to stand by him. <laughs> what else do you do, actually? I suppose better than sitting by yourself twiddling your, your thumbs, isn't it, really? Uh, Jimmy Savile and Charles' very close friendship with the sex abuse bishop. But there again, Jimmy Savile was very friendly with uh, the royal family. Prince Charles did meet the, uh, the bishop, uh, Peter Ball, in 92, uh, the shuffling old man we saw arriving at the Old Bailey when he was jailed for 32 months was something of a celebrity figure uh, when respect for the church was actually higher than it is now. He was part of a double act with his twin brother Michael. They founded their own monastic community. Both became bishops, Peter at Lewis, then Gloucester, Michael at Jarrow, then Truro, educated at Lansing College, and, uh, and so it goes on. And... Um, uh, Neil Todd, the teenage aspirant monk who was sexually abused by Ball, said the bishop had told him that the prince had written him personal letters. He didn't say what was in them. He said they were in his safe and added, one day they'll be very valuable. Well, Prince Charles was known for writing letters. In fact, I think he's still known for writing letters. You would like... I'm now naturally curious, as you can imagine, to uh, find out exactly what was uh, what was written in these letters to the bishop. I mean, nobody was to know, were they, when Prince Charles had pictures taken, and you'll find pictures of Jimmy Savile with the Queen, of the Queen Mother, with loads of, of people, really loads and loads of people. You don't know at the time, do you? We didn't have any idea that he was abusing people, not to the extent we didn't have any idea at all. I mean, there were, there were always rumours about Jimmy Savile, but that's as far as it went. Uh, she famously played the Queen on screen, and um, she was not amused at the premiere of her latest film. This is Helen Mirren, who's 70, and um, she uh, she scrunched her face into a scowl, and uh, she said, I'm sick of... Or the, the headline is, sick of being treated like the Queen, Helen. And uh, she loves it. But, of course, then she was going on about her looks as well. We had all this, you know, oh, it's got... And yet she's the face of, isn't she L'Oreal or something like that, which is all based on looks. Not going to be picking Josie Cunningham anytime soon, are they? Let's face it. £180 million wiped off the M&S shares after their clothes were criticised. I did say to actually the producer this morning, I said, it's about the only place I'm now left to go and buy clothes, Marks and Spencers. But even they're going to have to admit they're going to have to go up a size, I think. Uh, The Halloween costume. Do you remember after Claudia Winkleman's uh, daughter, Matilda, suffered serious burns when her supermarket witch costume caught fire? Well, they, they, they've checked them all. Uh, one here, the uh, purple witch uh, from Wilco, eight quid. Time to catch light, three seconds. The worst one is Tesco, Red Devil, eight pounds. Time to catch light, less than a second. The other one, M&S, purple witch, 20 quid, three seconds, up in flames. As does Glitter Witch, seven pound. Time to catch light, four seconds. Uh, Matalan... Uh, Party delights the graveyard bride, 20 quid, five seconds, up in flames. Uh, As to say that they have their glitter witch, seven pound, time to catch light, four seconds. They have introduced more rigorous testing to the same standards as nightwear. Swimwell thinks so too. These are little children's costumes. 
It's, I thought that Claudia Winkleman had got this one nailed. I thought it was in the bag that they'd uh, they'd removed these things from on sale. But of course, it's uh, it's a case of oh well, yeah. Of course, we actually did it. Yes, we did it. And uh, oh no, we didn't. <laughs> That's what they do, isn't it? That's what they do. Um, I'll reveal my Hatton heist hiding place. This is one of the Hatton Garden burglars accused police last night of ignoring his offer to show them where he's hidden his share of the heist. He admitted his role in the £20 million raid and wants to hand back his ill-gotten gains. He says he fears that if he's not temporarily allowed out of Belmarsh Prison to reveal the hiding place, somebody else might find it. Wait a minute, let's have a look around the studio. What would you do? That prompts that question, doesn't it? You know, if, if, if there's 20 million quid that they've got and there's a few of them out there with it and you found something, I don't know what you do with it. I don't know what you do with jewellery, unless it be cash. If it was cash, then that'd be all right, wouldn't it? But then would, would you hand it back? That's always that $64,000 question, isn't it? I think it's cropped up on LBC so many times over the years that if you found that, if you found that money or you found a, a big bag full of jewellery buried somewhere or something looked a bit odd or it was found in a tree, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, would you be sort of thinking, wow, what do I do? Do I hand it in? Is there a reward for it? If it's worth a few million quid, somebody might want it back. Or failing that, if it's cash, do you keep the cash and pretend you've only found the jewellery? Difficult one, isn't it? Very difficult one. Well, I bet it is for you this morning. Jonathan says, um, a squash ball or half a tennis ball on the back of the pyjama shirt or T-shirt will stop you lying on your back and stop snoring. Oh, I know people who can snore on their side. You're right, actually. Didn't it used to be a packet of peas or something as well? But who actually is going to go out and get a tennis ball and cut it in half and sew it into your jammies? What happens if you don't wear any jammies or a T-shirt? Well, I suppose you'd have to start, wouldn't you? If you take something back to the supermarket that, uh, that does refund and replace, do they give you back 10p for the bag? No. It's 10p, for goodness sake. These people need to get over themselves. I couldn't believe that somebody was complaining in Marks and Spencer's the other day. 5p for a carrier bag. They've always charged for carrier bags. I've lost track. Of, I always go up deliberately. They always go, would you like a little bag? Now they have to say, if you buy something else, they go, uh, do you need a bag? And if you go, yes, they get 5p. And then you get people go, no, it's all right, thank you. And you think, it's 5p. How stupid. How stupid. Mike the Northerner. Why, I? If you drove to Liverpool, you wouldn't be driving out because they'd have had the wheels. Yes, I've often said, you know, you only go up to Liverpool to visit your wheels, don't you? (laughs) And uh, I wouldn't have one, says Les. All these carrier bags for life with the company's advertising logo. I couldn't care less. I seriously couldn't care less about an advertising logo on a bag. It really doesn't affect me in the slightest. I'm I'm not that sort of person who's going to be all sort of mizzy and uffy about having... You know, sort of five five pence, for goodness sake. I think I've got five pence here. Hang on, wait a minute. Just see if I've got five pence in my pocket. I always carry change, actually. I'm, I'm a very good person. For, oh, can't get my hand out. Uh, it's like the monkey with his nuts in the jar when he puts his hand in and he grabs all the nuts and then he can't, he won't, he doesn't know how to release the nuts to get his hand out. Oh, look. It's about a hundred bags I've got here. About a hundred bags. I've got about six or seven quid in change. No, eight. That's a lot of bags. 80, isn't it? 80 bags? Something like that. Whatever it is, it's a lot. Listen, after the news, we've got some lovely clips of the two guests who are with me for this weekend's In Conversation. Do not miss Joanna Lumley and Chris Tarrant. That's after the news, which is next. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. A lot of, a lot of people with... Uh, oh, blimey, got people wandering in and out all over the place today. It's like a revolving door. This is like Jordan's bedroom. It's unbelievable in here this morning. Anyway, nice to have your company. Welcome along. It's 26 minutes to six. Thank you very much indeed for all your uh, texts and emails this morning. And um, we have the lovely John up at Cheney's in Weston. 
But Paul, Paul Cooper is uh, is missing in action, says Paul. That's other other Paul. And uh, so give a shout out and wake Mr. Cooper up. Well, I think he's I think he's he's long since departed, doesn't he? He's sort of fast asleep. And uh, John up at Cheney's this morning. That's in the Western International Market. So what did I want this morning? I'm trying to think. It's Friday. I'm because I'm talking to Liz Hurley a little bit later on. I just happened to name drop some people uh, because she's coming in to record for my in conversation program. Not for this Sunday. Possibly next Sunday, because this Sunday I have two super guests for you on Sunday morning. This is between 5 and 6 a.m., repeated between 9 and 10 at night. My first guest, first rose to fame as the host of Tis Was, before joining us here in the Global Radio headquarters to host Capital Breakfast. And, of course, the fantastic Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, star of TV and radio... Chris Tarrant. Now, he joined me to talk about the second series of Extreme Railways and a rather unique way that they clear snow off the railway line in the Rocky Mountains. There's one bit where Mike, the camera, and I, we, neither of us like helicopters. And there's a thing they do uh, in Canada going through the Rockies. One of the big dangers there is avalanches. Well, oh. because trains are derailed, yeah. so you come around the track and suddenly there's no, there's no track and they go, you know, plunging oh, down cliffs God. and things. Or they hit direct by big snowfalls and all yeah. that. So they have to be stopped if they can. And they do this thing where they go up in a helicopter, they throw out sticks of dynamite on fuses, like a bomb, basically, mm. over certain points where the snow's impacted. And they stop it forming into a great big avalanche. So this guy who does this all the time said, Hey, Chris, Mike, you want to come up, you guys? And we're going, uh, not really. And he says, yeah, come on, man, hold these. So he hands me two sticks of dynamite. Now, I, I bet you haven't. I have never held a stick of dynamite. And it's just like in the comics. Does it's it sort look of like? giant candle. <laughs> Except, you know, it'll blow you sky high. And I'm holding these two things. I'm going up in a, a helicopter, which I don't like. We've got more dynamite in the back. And we throw these blooming things out over a particular you know, point. But then we turn to do another one. A snow blizzard comes out of nowhere, completely wipes out the front of our screen. And I am now frightened. Mike, the cameraman, is looking very pale. And I'm looking across at the pilot, who's a very experienced man, and he's gone all tight-lipped. I'm thinking, oh, my God. There's no radar or anything. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I it's doing Why aren't I just on the ground filming the train go past? <laughs> I mean, I was frightened. I was scared. And then uh, this noise starts, this sort of woo-woo-woo-woo-woo-woo noise. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, that means we're going down too fast. I'm like, oh, well, right. isn't that like <laughs> crashing? That's crashing. And then suddenly the sky cleared and we came through a valley and we all came down. He did big high fives and good job and all this stuff. I was terrified. But that's what they do to clear the lines... In this country, a whole network can stop because yes. of leaves on the line. Yes. You'll hear more of those uh, stories with Chris Tarrant, the legend that is. And he's with me this Sunday between five and six. My other guest is a very successful actress, a former model, a best-selling author, an activist. She has one of the loveliest voices that you'll ever hear. It's Joanna Lumley. Now, she joined me to talk about her incredible trans-Siberian adventure, the concert in aid of the Gurkha Welfare Trust and her modest spending habits when she was first starting out. And wine was so expensive that we could... I can remember we used to club together and buy one bottle of wine a week. Yes. And that was a big deal. Yes. Um, and I bet it was horrid wine. 
Oh, it was ghastly. ghastly. It was very rough and came from France. <laughs> but I think, you know, and, and clothes, we patched them when they went wrong or turned up the hems if it tried to look trendier or something. I remember we had one dress that fitted all three of us and so you'd take in turns to wear it. <laughs> it my was very used, funny. It doesn't matter at all. My mother used to go to school. She was the, the youngest of about four girls with newspaper in her shoes because oh. they weren't her shoes. Yes, they to make the older them, sisters. And they were shoes. too big. They were too big. Little so they put newspaper crap. in there to keep them going. I think we've just got a bit too... Yeah, a bit too kind of thingy. We've got too obsessed. I, yes. We used to. We've always taken stuff. Always got stuff out of secondhand shops and take pick stuff out of ki- skips and painted it. And I still do it now because I, I prefer doing do it. Do you? I, nothing would make me go to a grand place and order grand things. Well, the trouble is, I, we secretly want you to be grand. We secretly want you because oh, you I have this. I must tell you something quite funny. I what? had um, a Ferrari. I bought it. I bought it because I was at a charity and nobody was bidding for it. And I thought, oh, this is pitiful. I'd better buy it. So I quickly bought it. And, of course, it's a useless London car. Yes. Um, but the boys all around me in Stockwell, all the lads on the estates and things, thought I was the bee's knees. When I sold it and got got my smart car they nearly had a heart attack they went what's happened to you have you lost your mind and i said no this is a much better car for london they thought i was ill they wanted me to have a ferrari you could just see joanna lumley in ferrari can you not <laughs> absolutely uh, more from the lovely you can't believe her voice can you you can't believe it but she does do at the end of the interview she does because we we talk about the ab fab film which they're going to start i think they start filming shortly because i bumped into jane horrocks in Twickenham High Street the other week, and she was, a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me... Actually, the funny thing is, I've, I've seen Jane Horrocks, I've told you loads of times, because she lives in Twickenham, and she shops at Paul Cooper's when he's there. And um, and we were trying to cross the road, and I don't... I'm, I'm quite good. I don't like to approach people, if, even if I've interviewed them before, and go, oh, hello, Steve Allen, blah, blah, blah. And she turned to me and went, oh, hi, Steve, how are you? And I went, oh, she said, I haven't seen you in Twickenham High Street before. I said, I said I've seen you loads of times, Jane. She said, well, I couldn't have seen you, she said, because I'm half blind. She said, I can't see people unless I'm close to them. So anyway, she was telling me about the film as well. And Joanna Lumley tells me about the Ad Fab film. And she does do a little bit of Patsy at the very end. It's very, it's, we, we all laughed. And it's a recorded uh, interview on film as well. Christopher Tarrant, not recorded on film because he came in. Uh, to do me very early in the morning, about 7.30, I think, Chris came in, which was lovely. Always nice to see him, always nice to see him. And then he went in to do my uh, my other friend in his new studio around the corner, my friend Chris, and he went in to do that. So Chris and Chris, it was lovely. And Chris, the other Chris, came in to see us yesterday on the programme, always trying to get me to go on on his. But uh, I can't. And he said to me the other day, he said, you know I'm going to come and invade your studio and I said, Mr Moyles, I don't think that's a great idea. But he said, you know I'm going to do it, don't you? So I went, well, we'll have to wait and see. So, of course, every day I'm looking through the door thinking, any minute now, he's going to, something's going to happen. Because I didn't think that we all have these fobs which open doors. You've probably got them if you work in a big company as well. And, um, and I thought that his only opened his studio, but apparently it opens my studio as well. I fear the worst, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, both of those interviews, the fabulous Chris Tarrant and the fabulous Joanna Lumley, this Sunday on LBC for In Conversation, repeated uh, after the transmission between five and six, the uh, video of Joanna Lumley will go up on the LBC website, and then it's repeated between nine and ten at night. Both super interviews, really super. The Joe and a Lumley one I recorded weeks ago. In fact, I'm, I'm tempted to say months ago. We did it because she was available at the time, uh, but the event is, is coming up uh, round about the festive season, so that's that's why it's running 
this week on LBC. And then, as I say, across to Bear, but I'll have to talk to Elizabeth Hurley. And I think the last time I talked to her, I actually went out of the studio to go and talk to her. And she was in the papers. In fact, she's in a couple of the papers today. She went out to an event and um, and she looked stunning. They even tell you the price of her dress. It was £579, and that's what ladies like. You like to see a dress, and you go, can I afford that? And they go, 579 You think, Chuck, I could probably afford it. It's a lot cheaper than any of that Victoria Beckham stuff, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, also, they've got things about the lottery. 25 guaranteed millionaire winners tomorrow, because they've upped the odds, haven't they? Isn't it one in 45 million now? It used to be one in 14 million. Now it's going up to one in 45 million which is kind of made it a little bit uh, little bit tricky to try and win anything. And I was hoping to sort of win enough for the for the retirement. Mark says, will I be able to go into a supermarket without buying groceries? Just take a few carrier bags now. You never used to be able to walk in and just take bags out with you when they were free. I know somebody who picked up loads that are free. Of course, it's, you're only charged, you're only charged if the store has got more than 250 employees in the group. So, in other words, in Boots they will charge, in Marks and Spencers, in all the supermarkets, they will charge. But the corner shops won't charge. Paul Cooper doesn't charge. Uh, Cheney's will not be charging. I don't think they do carry bags anyway. And loads of other places will not be charging. So, you're, you're fairly all right there. It's only really in the supermarkets. Uh, I went in the other day, and as I say, people are complaining about five pence. I mean, you feel like slapping their legs, don't you? Saying, goodness sake, get over yourself. Uh, still to come, dress for a heist in Lycra. The £4,000 bike thieves. They were quite adventurous, but because they're so clearly identifiable, they will be found very quickly, because A, you're going to recognise them, and C, they've got two brand new bikes. Uh, end of the line for top shows. The BBC, you know, fearing the worst, have come up with... Uh, oh, the, the public expect us to do entertainment shows. And if, of course, it all changes at the BBC, we won't have EastEnders anymore or Strictly Come Dancing. And I thought, you know, honestly, there are lies and then there are the people at the BBC. A complete waste of money. Uh, Russell Brands, over. They think now... I mean, to be honest with you, I think we've had enough of this dreary man who doesn't really know what he's talking about after. Perhaps he could get together with Charlotte Church. They could both sit down and bore each other to death. Uh, the woman who lives with her dogs and the milk tray man who could be a woman. They're going to bring it back again. You know, they, it used to be all because the lady loves milk tray. It's not going to work, is it, with a woman? I mean, is that a woman taking chocolates to another woman? In which case, is this sort of a lesbian milk tray? Or is this a lesbian milk tray? <laughs> Made myself laugh. Uh, it's <laughs> just trying to think about how that would be. You know, <laughs> so I'm just sort of thinking. Somebody sort of dives off a cliff... And it turns out to be Sandy Toxvik, and she's leaving a box of chocolates for Sue Perkins. Or actually failing that, it could be even funnier with Sandy Toxvik diving off the cliff and just bobbing around on the water. And somebody going, we need to rescue her. And then she could go and give a box of chocolates to Sue Perkins. Don't you think? I thought that was quite a good idea. Or, or is it a woman diving off the cliff? Again, Sandy Toxvik. And, uh, and getting there, and you could have Alan Carr in bed going, oh, chocolates. I mean, that could be quite funny. No, just me again. Just me. Uh, Katie and rant at Cheryl. This isn't uh, any Katie you know. This is Katie Wasel, who said that Cheryl Cole, Spagbowl, uh, what's-her-face, is uh, totally useless. Totally useless. Uh, Niall Horan's going to have a solo album. Can't imagine why. We're not even looking forward to Zayn Malik's, or whatever his face name is. Uh, the girl who's uh, allergic to school at the age of 13... And the sexy men of Essex are back, except, of course, Arge Argent, who is not only not sexy... But he also can't drive a car. He's just failed his driving test yet again. Perhaps he can get Lydia Dim to drive him around. You have got another series, but they're, they're now getting so old and so past it. I don't think anybody's actually interested, are they, really? And, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of watching the uh, repeats 
on the television of Made in Chelsea. And I was the one thing that struck me yesterday, the one thing that struck me yesterday was sort of watching it, and I thought, they're exactly the same as the girls in Essex, it's just that they speak posher. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Certainly is. Ten to six, it's nice to be company. Thank you so much for yesterday. I mean, I, I said that yesterday. You nearly made me cry when we, uh, when we got the final total. And then I looked at how much we sort of raised yesterday. It was just shy, I think, of £2 million in a day, which was just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, Ken in Norwood has brought me back to earth, though, with a bang. He says, I always take the old bag shopping with me. Keeps her happy. And then he's, he's resurrected my Auntie Enid. He said, how is your Auntie Enid? And um, I, don't, I don't like to speak ill of the dead because she's borderline. My Auntie Enid, as you know, has been in the bide-a-wee home for aged gentlefolk for some years now. And uh, she's, still, she's still keeping it together, sort of. You know, they keep moving her to different rooms. And, of course, it just confuses her because she doesn't know where she's going back to half the time. Matron and the staff are very good with her. They know that she's related to me. So I think she gets extra portions of spotted dick every day when, when they have it. And uh, she seems to be fairly happy in that she hasn't got the faintest idea where she is, as you can well imagine. I mean, she's heavily medicated. She has to be. But what we... Well, what we do every year, it's, a, it's always a little, a little treat for us. We always, um, on April the 1st every year, we always go up and we go, you're going home now? We pack all her bags and we take them downstairs to the hall and she stands there. And then we go, April fool! And, and it, it always provides endless amusement for the staff. They all clap and cheer and we take her back upstairs again. But uh, no, she's clinging on. She's, uh, she's 98 now. 98. She's the oldest member of the family who's uh, still, well, I say got her marble. She's got them. She just doesn't know where they are. But uh, thank you for reminding me of my Auntie Enid. We did feature him in one of the live shows some years ago. <laughs> we put a picture of her up on the thing, and people clapped her, which I was a little bit disappointed about. Um, um, did I get the message about Elizabeth Hurley, says Beth? I certainly did. Yes, she's, uh, she's in this morning. I'm, uh, yes, Beth has just texted me. She said, I completely forgot... To- Yes, no, I'm not asking where it is. Will wants to, my, my producer, is so desperate to see Elizabeth Hurley. I'm going to get a picture taken with my arms around her, hugging her to, to my bosom, or her bosom. I've decided that's the way forward with this interview. <laughs> Definitely. It's going to be lots and lots of people. Jan in South Norwood, who says, uh, Don and I have spent a lovely week in the beautiful, stunning Cotswolds, but be totally honest, it's made me realise how fortunate I am to be living in South Norwood, where I participate on a regular basis in meditation, Pilates, Nordic walking, book group, doctor's group, uh, local cafe culture, brilliant friends and family, jangles jewellery, my Steve Allen lunches. I'm so lucky and I don't take any of it for granted. I guess it's a case of you can take the girl out of London, but you can't take London out of the girl. Mm, not very good news about Peter Andre, uh, condemned by a judge in court this week as being a liar. That's really going to tarnish his shiny, self-promoted image. Well, the trouble is, he's been with his uh, his agent, Claire, from Cannes Productions for ages. I think she loves him. Uh, she split up with her relationship with uh, this other guy. And then I think that Peter Andre sort of stood up in court. And as the judge said, he's either just made it up or he's been told what to say. Either way, they couldn't trust his evidence at all. So Peter Andre portrayed as a liar in the papers. It's not great news, is it? I mean, whichever way you look at it, you know, he does have an image, but on the same 
basis, he's, and I could, I could almost understand, I could almost, I can't understand people lying, but in the case of their relationship, they are very close. Maybe Emily will have to go back to work once Peter's finished on Strictly. Well, they're saying he's going to be given a motoring programme. I don't think you want to give a motoring programme to somebody who's been branded a liar by a court, you know, quite a high court in the land. You know, we're not talking about 20 quid compensation, we're talking about £7 million here. And uh, looking forward, says little Julie, to hearing the In Conversation with Joanna. She did a wonderful documentary about the Northern Lights, where she fulfilled a childhood dream. Yes, there was some... uh, Was there not something about the fact... Did she actually see the Northern Lights, or was it superimposed? I cannot remember. But uh, either way, you're going to love the the conversations this week, as as indeed every week. And don't forget, I'm here tomorrow morning as well, uh, between five and seven, with the best of Steve Allen from this week. I'm not live, I'm pre-recorded as they say, but it's the best of Steve Allen tomorrow, uh, between 5 and 7, and then on Sunday morning 5 to 6, in conversation, then I'm live between 6 and 8, just before Stig's breakfast, so we go through the Sunday papers together, and then I'm back between 9 and 10 for the repeat of in conversation. Phil in France says, with the new 5 pence for a supermarket bag, I estimate that the cupboard next to my kitchen sink is now worth £26,750 because I also save loads of bags as well. (laughs) <laughs> Lovely. And uh, can you imagine, says little Julie, uh, Chris and Christo invading your studio at the same time? I don't think there's enough room. Not enough room for all these people to pop in and invade. And uh, my friend Paul, who did look good in his Elvis costume, he did actually. I mean, some people made an awful lot of uh, effort. They really did. I still think my friend Toby looked uh, looked very good in his pink, pink suit. Pink suit. Um, what else do we have in the paper? Oh, Jan Moyer. Talks about the silly suffragette sisters who are laying down, you know, at the film Suffragette. I mean, I can't even believe that people like that exist anymore. Very dated, dear. Very dated. And she says, oh, no, The Apprentice is back with the usual crew of starstruck idiots who think being on telly is a passport to glorifying millionairedom. Uh, Like new hopeful Jenny Garbis. One day you'll see my name in lights, she's already boasted. I'm going to be an entrepreneur everyone looks up to. Every morning I wake up and have this surge of adrenaline around my body because I know this is what I want to do. Every single decision I make in my life uh, works towards my goal of being a female entrepreneur. And Jan Moyer says, well then, dear Jen, why aren't you in an office or a factory or a boardroom instead of capering about on the telly in a reality show? Don't answer. We can all guess. Jenny's very proud of the fact that she went to Bournemouth University. Judging by the pictures she's posted on social media, she studied for a degree in cleavage pageantry uh, at the Kardashian College, where she won the, carented, won the coveted Karen Danjuk Prize for pervacious exhibitionism of the highest order. In other words, she's your typical ghastly apprentice candidate who thinks that Alan Sugar's going to buy into me. Verdict? Gone by week three. I know. They are... I mean, I think that sums them up here. These people, these starstruck idiots, every single one of them a compulsive liar. One of the blokes in the papers today, he's had three companies go, go belly up on him already. And he thinks that Alan Sugar's going to be remotely interested. You see them, as I do, as being just self-obsessed buffoons. And they turn up on the television with amazing regular... You can find them for most programmes. It's not difficult. You can find idiots now. You've only got to watch the Jeremy Kyle show to realise that there is the breeding ground. You know... Maybe we should uh, start calling Peter Andrex after his alleged apparent tissue of lies, says Peter. <laughs> My local M&S have taken away all bags from the self-service tills. You have to try to find an assistant to beg for one. <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, I mean, I th- why don't you just take a bag out? Uh, sadly, the BBC, says Jenny and Mitchell, have said they won't be televising the open golf. Thank God for that. 
I can't understand why anybody, why anybody, would ever seriously sit down and watch golf on the television. Is there something the matter with you? Watching golf on the... T- oh, you like golf, do you? Oh, you don't. Don't you just love it where they go, and he's, he's taking a shot here coming up, and it's a birdie, and it hits it, and the ball goes up in the air, and then the camera just... It could be anywhere in the sky. Because anyway, you can never see the blasted ball, can you? So the camera just points up to the sky, and we all go, oh, right, where... where and then the camera comes down again. It's just a cameraman there. He's at the side. He's on a separate shot. They go up with, up with the camera, down with the camera. Up with the camera, down with the camera. And that's all it is. How they get it round the windmill, I've never known it into that little hole the other side. It's ridiculous. I've tried that one for ages. When I was down in Bournemouth some years ago, I loved that crazy golf. And I've seen some of these people. There's somebody called Tigger Woods, who's apparently very good with the ladies. And, uh, and they all wear those, um, those Farrah trousers. And you've got to wear, apparently you've got to wear Pringle. Which, I, to be honest with you, I've tried wearing crisps. It doesn't work for me either. And, and they put these, these sort of jumpers on. And they've got to look like that. And none more so than our Brucey. Young Brucey likes to get... He's not well at the moment. He's had a bit of a fall, as you know. 87, so we wish him... We wish him well. But he likes... They all like playing golf. I think Chris Evans likes playing golf. Have you played golf, Will? Have you done golf? Have you really? Oh, God. How boring. Actually, some friends of mine who run the Barmy Arms... Uh, They absolutely adore golf. They absolutely adore golf. They, they They would go round the world... Alec and Hillary, to go and play golf. They love it. I can't understand it. I had a hotel room in Vegas once, and right next door, outside of my hotel bedroom window, was a golf course. And from about six in the morning, you know, you wake up, and you sort of look out, because it's brilliant sunshine over there. It's like, oh, be... I'm the only person who sits in bed with sunglasses on. The glare of my superstardom and that jacket from yesterday. And I looked out the window, and I thought, they're playing golf at six in the morning. And then I thought, that's what Alec and Hillary do at the Barmy Arms. They, they, they go off on golfing holidays. I mean, golfing holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Most people go and sit on a beach. No, they don't. They love their golf. I can't understand it at all. I really, really can't. Coming up to the news at six o'clock this morning, Julie says 5p, small price to pay for a carrier bag. Why do people moan? I've got no idea. Perhaps they're just tight. Perhaps they're tight. Um, Peter Andre, a liar, says the judge in a TV dispute trial, uh, which is found uh, against... Against. So the, uh, the company... I've got to pay the man who Peter Andre lied about about £7 million. Savile and Charles's close friendship with the sex abuse bishop, the Halloween costumes, you've really got to check, Mummy and Daddy, you really have. These could set fire in seconds. Uh, dressed for a heist in Lycra, still to come, the £4,000 bike thieves. End of the line for top shows, Nadia on the family's excitement as she won Bake Off. And the lady who went on 75 blind dates in 22 countries looking for Mr Wright. She's called Bambi Smythe. All of that and more after the news, which is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six. It's Friday the 9th of October. We raise a cheer for how much money we raised yesterday for Make Some Noise. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Even by our standards, I thought it was phenomenal. And we look forward to the weekend and the weather. Not too sure about that. Dressed for a heist in Lycra, the £4,000 bike thieves. Clearly identifiable in the, uh, the papers today. Peter Andre's a liar, says a judge in a dispute trial. Uh, Savile and Charles's close friendship with the sex abuse bishop. Uh, I went on 75 blind dates in 22 countries looking for Mr Wright, says Bambi Smythe. Uh, Jonathan Joseph, 
The rugby ace cheats on his childhood sweetheart with Casey Batchelor. He thought he'd have realised. They don't, though, do they? And uh, I'll lead cops to my Hatton Garden loot, says one of the men who's admitted the crime. And the milk tray man could be back as a woman. How that's going to work, I've got no idea. And uh, and we'll get all of that in between now and 6.30. We have a free podcast for you every day. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, there is an LBC app. It's free to download. You need to have a phone or a tablet or something like that. And you download it. It means when you go around the world on your holidays, you just flick it on and you can listen to LBC, which is brilliant. And for the free podcasts, as a few of us have free podcasts on LBC, you can download them as well. Uh, but if you want to download this programme, it is available as a podcast a bit later on, as indeed are all the In Conversations. You go to the LBC website, type on, uh, put in podcast on there, and it will take you straight to the page. And if you need any help, there is a, a backup as well for you. Uh, on the subject of Joanna Lumley, Bridget says her documentary about her journey on the Trans-Siberian Railway was one of the best I've seen. Her journey to the source of the Nile. She is a born documentary maker. You're going to love the interview, especially when she goes into Patsy at the very end, because we were all laughing in the studio. <laughs> because she, she was absolutely wonderful. And Chris Tarrant's journey. We've got everything to do with railways. We've got railways, haven't we, this weekend? We've gone mad for railways, which I, I don't ma- mind, actually. Uh, Sandra says, looking forward to the interview with the superb Joanna Lumley. Also, if you're not available for Milk Tray Man, Christo would fit the bill. That's the only trouble. He wouldn't fit the bill, would he? You know, I mean, you can, sort of, I mean he's never going to climb into a window. I don't think they make windows that wide. You're not going to get him in. So, and also, when he falls off the cliff into the water, there's a very... I don't think he swims. I think that whenever he goes to Mykonos for his holidays every year, he spends most of the time sitting on the beach. And the tide, you know, sort of is frightened to come in. And he just, he bobs. That's all he does. A bit like sort of an apple, I suppose, at around about the festive season. So here they are, the uh, the two thieves wearing lycra and cycling helmets. One is obviously a lot older than the other one. And what they did, they go into a, a bike shop, Station Cycles in Cambridge, and uh, they wore these items, presumably because they just fit in. And they literally, they were stolen on September the 11th. One was worth 2800 and one was worth 1500 Now, because they wear Lycra and they look fairly fit, these could be cyclists who just thieve. It could be this. Uh, the sergeant who's looking after it, Chris Horton, says that it doesn't happen every day. But clearly, uh, that's the suspicion here. That these people, they, they need to send a message out to people who've got cycle shops. You need to lock your bikes up. I mean, in Cambridge, over the past five years, 11,000 bicycles have been stolen. That'll be students, won't it? The undergrads, they're thieves. They thieve things like this. 11, I mean, it's a huge amount of bicycles. It's bad enough in London, but uh, bad enough here in Cambridge. Um, and so these uh, men are clearly identifiable, even with their, their helmets on, and they walked out with these two bikes. How nobody ever spotted them coming in. Perhaps they just didn't realise they were going to walk out. One looks younger than the other one. Quite definitely is. And so if you have a look at them and you can identify them, I think there's a reward, which is good, isn't it, for £4,000 worth of bikes. You can actually sort of, you know, get some money back, so probably go and buy your own, uh, go and buy your own bike. We'll do the front pages of the, uh, the papers. The Bay City Rollers are touring, as you know. They're in the papers today. And uh, Roy Orbison on tour. Well, it's, it's not Roy Orbison, it's Barry Steele. And Fra- I know. Well, it's, it's very misleading because it says Roy Orbison on tour. And then, but I thought, wait, wait, he's dead. How are they doing this one? But they've put Elvis back on tour and they've put Frank Sinatra back on tour. And this is Barry Steele and Friends as Roy Orbison. I've looked at where he's actually playing. His, his place is like the Braintree Arts Theatre, which might be very lovely, actually. The Whitley Bay Playhouse. 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Bay City Rollers, plus special guests, um, are playing a Shangalang Christmas, the 30th of December. Shangalang after Christmas, isn't it? I would have thought. There's only three of them, but at least they're going to go out there and make some noise. The Commitments are doing live on stage. I love discovering who's actually touring. I'm always very interested in... Um, and who's actually uh, out there. i tell you what I do love at the moment. I've, I've got quite into at the moment. Josh Groban's music. He's got the most amazing voice. He really has. And he's singing this song. You'll have to find it on YouTube. I can't remember what the song is called. But it's taken from the new film, The Choir. And Josh Groban is singing this song, which plays... It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It really is. And I don't often say that about songs. But, I mean, it, it really is wonderful. I turned on the other day, and I'm listening to LBC. As I'm, I was driving to... I was going to drop the car off. I reversed into something the other day, which wasn't particularly clever of me. And um, so I took it in there just to have a little paint job done at the back. And I was listening to it. And I'm listening to somebody doing the travel. I thought, who on earth? It didn't sound like any of the people that I knew who did the travel. It certainly wasn't Chris. It wasn't Joanna. It was, it was nobody. I took, and then it turned out to be Ollie Murs. Ollie Murs was doing the travel on LBC. We had all sorts of... John Snow was reading. I had all sorts of people reading yesterday. It all sort of... It took a turn for the better when I left. I think they were waiting for me to leave, actually, having sort of got the, uh, the, the Steve Allen one out of the way and the Northern Lights, and then there was Nick's as well. Excuse me. And, uh, as I say, it went so well yesterday. I mean, it really did. Here's another one of those useless people from The Apprentice, you know, the people who you look at. And uh, this is uh, Oxford University graduate Dan Callahan. He's admitted his latest fragrance-selling venture almost sent his whole family bust. Company house records show that Dan who is 24, has been a director of six firms since 2010, but three have been dissolved. One of his three firms, still trading cosmetics, uh, made a £54,000 loss, according to accounts filed last year. He then set up a retailing business called Zingo, followed by one called Fragrance Centre Limited. No accounts have been filed for either. The records show that the pilot dad, Stephen, and teacher mum, Mari, are co-directors of several firms. Uh, Dan, who boasts his motto is, Keep Smiling says, after a number of false starts, during which time I was almost bankrupted the family, the business has grown. We have seven employees and continue to develop and innovate. Yes, right, dear, of course. They do come up with the claptrap, don't they? They come up with... They are the delusional ones. They are the delusional ones. There's also the heartbreaking suicide of a troubled teen... This is Kane Sparham Price. Never heard of such a double-barrelled name. But anyway, Wonga cleared out his uh, bank account. He was due to start a college course and move to a new flat before being left destitute by the payday loan company. He suffered from mental health problems, grew up in care, uh, only started taking out the loans a few months ago. Unemployed and relying on benefits, he didn't have enough cash in his account to repay what he owed. And Wonga, acting on the agreement that he signed up for, took every penny he had. That the teen's heartbroken mum, who had no idea her son was in debt, has spoken for the first time since his death because he, he took his own life. But there again, he did have mental health issues. Why he was not living with his mother, you'll have to read the story and find out yourself. Uh, Wonga said, very sorry to hear of the death of Mr Sparham Price. We take our responsibilities to our customers very seriously and we have strict Lending criteria in place. If customers are in difficulty, we urge them to contact us as we have forbearance measures in place to help in difficult circumstances. And that's the same for anybody. And it doesn't matter whether you're listening at the moment or you know somebody who's got themselves into difficulty. If you... I was, always, I was told this years ago, 
Because the easy thing to do is, if you get yourself into financial difficulty, be it with the bank or with a, a loan company, or you're trying to repay back something that you've put on, on credit, the first person you contact is the person who lent it you in the first place. I was very bad at doing that, and uh, eventually the bank wrote to me and, uh, and said, um, listen, we need to have a meeting, you need to come in and sort out your overdraft, which had not gone down for some years. And it was standing at the time at about... £10,000, I think, £10,000. And I had, I know, it seemed an awful, I mean, it was an awful lot of money to me at the time. And I went in and the bank manager said, you know, you really should, we've been writing to you for ages. You know, if they write to you, there's a reason. You have to, it will not go away. The only way it will go away is if you either go to the Citizens Advice Bureau and you get the advice from somebody and they can give you all the the advice that they've got on hand, like trying to consolidate the loan if you've got lots of different companies. But how somebody who was on benefits like him, who was who was troubled emotionally and mentally, was able to get a loan, I've got no idea. Obviously, they don't have enough in place because he had no way of paying this back. He was just borrowing money. He was borrowing money, which was an easy thing to do. I remember on my visa card years and years ago, I couldn't get it down. I was paying the minimum every month. And, of course, that doesn't get in. You're just barely paying off the interest. So, finally, we got it sorted out. And now I'm very good. Touch wood. Very, very good. I I don't owe anybody anything. and, uh, And I can manage my finances. You know, we've always got money which we've saved in other different accounts just to make sure that if, if you have a bad month or something, you can transfer something over. But it's but you must always talk to the people who lent you the money in the first place. Otherwise, it can go horribly wrong. And with coming up to Christmas, a lot of you will get into debt. Time now, quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. Very quickly, uh, Gordon... Also says the feeling is mutual about golf. It's on TV for insomniacs. I can't understand why anybody would ever watch golf on the television. Uh, Mary tells me the song is The Mystery of Your Gift by Josh Groban. Do listen to it. It's it's absolutely beautiful. He's got a most um, super voice. Really super vo- Almost as good as mine, actually. Almost as good. Uh, did Ollie get any flack for his weather... Never, says the producer. Did Ollie get any flack for his weather car, says Peter. No. And uh, And Mary says... Uh, Mary says, wait a minute, I've lost the blooming thing now. How can somebody be branded a liar if what they told the judge was hearsay? No, it wasn't. You didn't hear me properly. They've called him a liar because they've said he might have been told to say this or he might have just made it up. So either way, he was telling lies because it turned out what he was saying was not true. It was not true. That's why he was branded a liar. Not very good publicity for Peter Andre. Not very good. And um, the milk tray woman would be a breakthrough, says Mark, for equality, as male chocoholics need their addiction accommodated as well. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, I think perhaps they're actually doing it um, to sort of try and be equal. They're going, it's, you know, the milk tray man sounds sexist. No, it doesn't. It's like Father Christmas. It was a man. It can't be Mother Christmas. It just doesn't work, does it? Uh, Somebody says, but you don't need an overdraft. I've had an overdraft running for years. I've had an overdraft running. I've never used it, but it's there as a a fallback. It's there as a fallback, just in case all of a sudden somebody says, oh, you know, you need to find money for this or or whatever. So that's the that's the reason I've always had an overdraft, but I've never, ever used it. I wouldn't. I'm too frightened to use things like that now. I seriously having been in debt and having not been in debt, not being in debt is uh, is an awful lot better. And uh, Daniel is in Littlehampton, loves the show. He says, I've got school today and I can't go to sleep listening to the programme. Well, there's a 13-year-old girl who's in the paper today, Daniel, and uh, she's allergic to school. 
I mean, how cool is that? Imagine you've actually got a, a known illness and you go, I can't go to school. Why? I'm allergic to school. I was never allergic to school. I just wasn't over keen on it. Uh, Nigel says, why all the fuss about plastic bags? Cut price Lidl have been charging for years and they're regularly beating the competition. Perhaps the other supermarkets should lower their prices to ease the pain. I always take a large Ikea product shopping hold all and it takes everything in one. I know, 5p. Have you heard of anything so stupid? Who are these people? Oh, dear. Stand up now, please. And uh, who is uh, touring the 60s groups? Noreen says, I shall email you Sunday. Maybe you or some of your listeners would like to go. We have ten shows booked. She loves these acts from the 60s. Loves them. And yes, I said it was John Lennon's 75th birthday today. Had he lived 75. And um, one here from Rick, who says, I asked a checkout guy in a Hull story if he'd been verbaled by irate customers over the 5p charge. And when he said not yet, I thought that ought to be his first. So, uh, so how we laughed. So we had to go about the bag. It is a 5p. It's really, I mean, seriously, I could buy hundreds, the amount of money I've got in my pocket. And I've got loads at home. Uh, Steve, Joanna really did see the Northern Lights, says Julie. Uh, it happened right at the end of the documentary. Yes, I th- she didn't see them first time, did she? I don't think so. Uh, four years ago... Steve, I uh, found out my 59-year-old sister was £145,000 in debt with loans, store cards, credit cards and three years council tax. She was under the mental health team, had been for, for years and her income was 123 quid a week. We had no option but to pay out the 700 to get her declared bankrupt. Three days after coming out of bankruptcy, she was given three credit cards and went online shopping. Last year, once again in debt, over 18000 I give up. Yes, I know, they always, they, they'll hand these cards out, won't they? You know, you, you, I, I, I see, I mean, the thing that always frightens me and the indicator for me is when you see somebody in a, in a store and they take out their, their wallet to pay for something and they've got hundreds of cards. I mean, seriously, it's like a billfold, all these cards tumbling out. It's just unbelievably amazing. That's just about it for this morning. Let me run through quickly the front pages. I still laughed at Closer Magazine and Kerry Katona going, we're going to have our marriage blessed before Christmas and I could be pregnant with baby number six. I'm sincerely hoping you're not, love, seeing as she's just announced that she's filing for divorce from husband number three. Will nothing go right for her? No. Nothing at all. And, of course, poor old Daniela Westbrook. She's having her face and body completely rebuilt. It won't change anything at all. And if you think that's the answer, you're a bigger fool than I thought you were. The Sun this morning, the scrum bag. This is uh, England rugby ace Jonathan Joseph, who's cheated on his girlfriend. He's been going out with her for donkey's years, and he bedded Casey Batchelor. If, you know, if there was one person you wouldn't want to bed because they would go to the newspapers, it would be Casey Batchelor. In fact, anybody of that ilk... And I use that term loosely. She bedded Lee Ryan on the television programme. She comes with history. And yet poor, silly, simple little Jonathan Joseph fell for it hook, line and sinker. Perhaps your girlfriend will be ditching you over this weekend and you can go and date as many Casey Bachelors as you like. The Daily Mirror, Brucey rushed to hospital. 87-year-old TV legend falls at home. The 75 dates around the world and where did I find Mr Wright uh, is in the paper today. And this is a lady, she couldn't find anybody, so she decided to go around the world and try and date as many men as possible. That's exactly what she did. And did she find uh, love? You'll have to read the paper. I'm not going to spoil it for you by telling you, but she's, um, she's, sort, of, she's sort of been out there. She's been out there and she's dated loads and loads of people. And uh, stand up to cancer night and uh, they've got uh, a charity telethon going on. With all sorts of people who I've never heard of. Oh, God, they've got Boy George again. Ghastly, shan't be watching that one. Uh, the Daily Mail. Now say sorry, Mr Watson. 
This is, oh, sorry. This is um, Leon Britton's brother demanded an apology from the Labour deputy leader, Tom Watson, for making unfounded sex crime allegations about the former Home Secretary. Uh, the Daily Star today, shock moment, Becky's killer buys power store, then haggles over price. 14 million people, no, well, nearly 14 people, 14 million people watched the, uh, the Bake Off and uh, absolutely loved it. And, um, and I did see a picture of Ian Dale... Who else do I see a picture of? Ian Dale and um, and Michael, who's James O'Brien's producer, I think doing karaoke. I look at that as a huge act of uh, betrayal. I think they were singing the Backstreet Boys. There was somebody else. But uh, as I'm talking to Elizabeth Hurley today, I shall have it out with him. Is it Chris, Chris Hemmings was doing it as well, was he really? Right. Those three reprobates, honestly. Anything for charity, as they say. Listen, thank you for your company. It's been a, been a fantastic week this week, but I'm back with you tomorrow morning uh, with the best of Steve Allen between five and seven and, of course, Sunday morning and the In Conversation with Joanna Lumley and Chris Tarrant. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, it's Nick Ferrari. You'll want to hear the paper reviewer. But right now, it's Lisa's with the morning news. This is LBC. 